Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound Radio Show, your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Robert Winfrey, and as always, thank you all very much for listening, for tuning in. Uh, this is our first episode on the... Uh, I'm gonna... I don't know... I haven't been told to call it anything other than this, so... On the off chance I wind up changing the title of this in the near future. Uh, this is our first show on the burgeoning 411 Podcast Network. So, thanks to all of you who have followed us over, who might be discovering us for the first time, so on and so forth. Uh, thank you again. I, I know there's a lot of MMA podcasts out there. There's a lot of podcasts in general, and you guys choose to give of your time to us, and time is our only truly finite resource. Money? There's always more money. Uh, literally, they just print the stuff. Time is time is our most valuable commodity, and you guys choose to give it to us, so thank you very much for that. Uh, on the docket tonight, we will have a review of UFC Fight Night 143 slash UFC on ESPN Plus One. Can I just say it occurred to me there's a really bad joke to be made about polyamory? If they're going to stick with that naming scheme, it's the UFC on ESPN plus 25. Do you really need a plus 25? I mean, plus ones can be hard enough to fill for some of us. You don't need to rub it in our faces, guys. So we'll be looking at that event. Uh, some thoughts on the new production that'll go along with it. Um, some news, as usual. Uh, specifically, I have on my docket, then I'll give Jeff uh, you know, whatever he thinks to whatever I didn't whatever I don't cover here. Uh, the UFC's new title belt design. Uh, a bunch of fights got announced. We'll talk about those. Uh, the fight, the bout order for UFC 234 got finalized. Amanda Nunes is apparently not going back to, fe- to featherweight. And Jose Aldo plans to retire at the end of 2019. So it's just some of the stuff we're going to hit. And uh, there should be timestamps in the notes for this podcast, or depending on where you find it. Uh, so that should be... If you just want to skip through certain stuff or around it, you can see how long it takes us to t- discuss a certain topic. All right, here with me is my regular partner in crime. 411 Mania's jack of all trades because he's in all the zones. Uh, Jeff Harris. Jeff, how are you doing this evening? Who are you going to call? The 411 Ground and Pound Radio Show. I'm Jeffrey Harris. Yeah, it's funny because we can't take live callers anymore, but <laughs> that's pretty good. I'm saying like, call on us to deliver good MMA commentary. We try. Literally, like, call on the phone. We are available for jobs. I'm just going to throw that out there. I will. I am happy to read. I'm happy to read lines for sponsorship. Yeah. All right. Last night, UFC, uh, UFC and ESPN plus one. Uh, UFC Fight Night 143. I'm, I'm going to usually use the conventional naming scheme because I don't want to. It's just too much of a pain in the butt for me to go back and forth between the UFC on fuel and FX and FS1 and. They're all fight nights. I'm going to call them that. That's it's for the sake of, st- of traditional nomenclature. It's just easier for bookkeeping purposes. So uh, I'm happy to discuss both, you know, both different names if needed for the sake of clarity, but that's just kind of how I'm rolling with this. Uh, first event of the ESPN deal. Um, before we get into the fights themselves, Jeff, I suppose we can talk a little bit about some of the production elements you like or didn't like, some of the changes that were made or not made that you're more interested in? I've already canceled my one week uh, trial for ESPN plus. 
Now, this is more ESPN Plus than the presentation, but there are way too many commercial breaks. And then they're just like, there's, there, there are just those spaces where it's just the ESPN Plus logo telling you to wait like for a commercial break, which makes no sense. Um, it's a premium subscription service, Robert. Why are we dealing with commercial ad breaks on a premium subscription service that we're already paying for? It's like a direct streaming service. It's not. I mean, I can give you the I can give you the actual answer and then I can tell you that I first of all, I completely agree with you. Yeah, that is why I do not. I don't watch anything on Hulu. Like if I'm paying you, you know, however much, I don't want to deal with commercials. If You're getting that's just I don't want to do it. If it's the if it's the the free just regular streaming video Hulu, then fine. They, yeah, do they I, even have that still? I don't. I, I haven't really. I mean, they up. used to, and I was again when they were providing it for free. Yeah, sure, ads. Like you guys have bills to pay. Or, I get it. Or look, or what else? Um, the the if you watch streaming episodes on primetime shows on the official websites like cbs.com or fox.com they'll yeah. be app supported in your browser yeah that's fine uh, but, my uh, my xfinity which is what i have has an look, on look, has you know the streaming on demand option and i there's advertisements that will play over that and again have, like that's all fair i get that this programming is it's already corporately sponsored we already paid we prospectively paid a subscription fee to buy into the streaming service. I, I do not want that many commercial breaks. It's, it's, it's nauseating, okay? Because it's one thing if it was like a cable network or a non-premium cable network, but it's not. This is a direct-to-consumer, over-the-top streaming service, and yet I felt like the programming was wall-to-wall -wall with ads or commercial breaks, it doesn't work. It doesn't work for me for a direct consumer paid. This is a premium paid subscription service, right? That doesn't work for me. Um, they did not handle the move from the ESPN Plus prelims to the ESPN broadcast. I did not care for that because they were still on an NCAA basketball game. They're not saying for those of you who are tuning in for the ESPN prelims. You will not be missing any of the action. Um, we're standing by to finish the game, and then we're going to switch straight to Brooklyn. Uh, in, in minor fairness to that point, and this okay. is apparently an ESPN thing, because okay. I agreed with you at the time. Uh, apparently on ESPN, and I, I'm just—I don't watch a lot of ESPN. Uh, well, neither do I. Yeah, and which is and the uh, the Chiron thing they have at the bottom. Yeah, it's apparent because, uh, you know, if you're watching, you know, like FS1 or something, the Chiron at the bottom is kind of a joke. Uh -huh. We do need to re to remember that with a major with something like ESPN, that is a much more important thing. And they that that information was displayed on the bottom panel. So I not see it at all. I didn't see it either. Not but visible. again, like I, I don't think visible. I I think some of that's just I'm not trained enough to look at it and actually consume the information being displayed there. But. They that, the broadcaster the broadcasters the analysts have time to mention that. Uh, They're part the last, of the I, I'm trying to remember a little bit of the la the end of that basketball they game. They didn't. I know they didn't. I'm trying to remember if there was a place where they could have without. They, yeah, they they this, probably could have because this lasted for like 15 20 minutes. They 10. easily could have. It was 10 minutes. It was more than 10 minutes. They easily could have 
during any of that time frame, and they did not. Yeah, the, um, I think, yeah, I agree with you that the the commentary team, you know, the guys doing commentary for the basketball game, should have had a brief thing about you know for those of you but, but looking for this. My, here's my point: if you're a UFC fan and you're tuning into ESPN, like you, you, you're okay, it's a college basketball game, you have no idea what's going on. To me, it's not. It's a, obviously it's not a huge deal because they did fix it, but like you're preempting your first run UFC programming, I just feel like... Oh, they, no, no, they're like, I do not believe they are contractually allowed to preempt uh, Division One basketball games on ESPN. They, yeah, but you're preempting your first run UFC programming, and we, no, we didn't miss any fights or any action, but how are we supposed to even know that? Yeah, there, I think there does need to be a better mechanism in place for disseminating that information, especially because a lot of the MMA audience and the UFC audience... Here, here, just have a thing that says you. Uh, the UFC is standing by. We'll be, we will be finishing this game shortly, and then we will switch. Uh, we'll we'll be taking you straight to the action for the UFC. You won't be missing any fight. Just you know, look. They, yeah, that could have been pay, so bad though if they this if. Is a huge deal, right? This is a billion dollar, a multi billion dollar deal, deal TV deal, is it not? Over the course of its life, yes. Yes. So I feel like they could have handled that better. Now, all my those are my main complaints. All that aside, uh, I thought presenta- the, pre- the presentational elements were all well done. Um, I think the event, I think the fights were paced fairly well. Oh, thank God for that! Like they had a they had a couple of rough spots on the very early okay. prelims. That would that just like this major drag between like the first and second fights. I, I think, think they kept the pacing going well. Yeah, once they got beyond that, they were fine. Like this was so this. I mean, it's actually the same. It was roughly the same amount of time as the average FS1 broadcast, give or take. Right. But it felt so much the most, better. The most noticeable aspect to me was that was was bringing it. Um, they had. They they would do these transitional between round sound bites like you know you have Coach Trevor Whitman coming in to offer some commentary some brief commentary. Trevor Whitman was awesome in that yeah. role. I mean, I don't think that's the I don't think that's the role they're going to keep him in necessarily. They're going to find something that fits a little bit better. But I I was I really enjoyed his insight in that role. It's not like an extra person in the booth just say you know we're. Trevor Whitman, what are your thoughts on this round? Blah blah blah. Yeah, that they is- had they had a similar thing with I think they had Megan O'Leavy who does their in theory like si- sort pseudo sideline reporting, yeah. and during I- like fighter walkouts, they would go to her and get just you know brief things to kind of help the commentary right. booth along. I that's I, I I enjoyed those sort of transitional elements. Yeah, I agree I, with that. I think they you know the, it made things feel a little different, a little more enhanced. I was, uh, I like those aspects. Um, those were just the most notice. Those those were the things I, I tended to notice the most. Um, now, I wasn't a big fan. Look, I got nothing against the guy. He's you know he's a huge broadcaster. He's he's a huge premise. Um, in broadcast sports, I'm not a fan of Stephen Smith. Um, I don't really know if he's the best. He's the guy you want. Um, 
it felt like he was there because of his history with ESPN more so than because of his how much he even knows about MMA or or even and, like. I mean look in fairness I can appreciate the value of a professional polished facilitator for those kind of cutaway things I mean when the I UFC mean, was on Fox uh, Kurt Menefee would do that would be you know, be Kurt, on the analyst Kurt, desk yeah, and would Kurt do Menefee, a similar Kurt, thing Kurt Menefee I think was more suited for that role yeah he, he was it was pure facilitation more so than a lot of his personal opinions and Menifee's a you know a very polished professional broadcaster who's used to doing that. And I think Smith, I mean, credit to Smith for being I I give him no credit. I give him a little credit for no. a simple for a very specific reason. I'm familiar with his reaction to boxing events, and he was very uh level headed mm. in during this event. He was not the hot take guy, thankfully. Thank thankfully. That was not his role. Well, um, I would like to see someone better in that in doing what he was doing. I'd like to see someone with more product knowledge, but there's a lot of kind of feeling out that's going to go on through these first few events as we as they tweak a few things. Um, we'll I do see. hope they get someone better. This was, but, but I don't have anything was, against Smith, mind, mind this you. This was the, the this was the ESPN Plus event, not the actual ESPN event. Even though we did have fights on actual ESPN, so. I'm very, I'm very open-minded about it. Um, I feel like, well, I don't think it would. I, I think it wasn't perfect, and there, are, there's definite room for work and improvements. Um, I was left overall feeling very positive, but I, you know, I, I still think we need to see more in terms of promotion, and maybe, maybe not necessarily hype material, but I, you know, we need to see more. I want to see a bigger promotional push from ESPN if we're going to be all in for, you know, UFC. Uh, apparently there was a fair bit um, in the weeks leading up to this. There were there were several bits during like the collegiate national championship games mm-hmm. for football mm-hmm. where the where they made an effort to let everyone know, hey, here it is. I mean, this is coming. So, I, I mean, I, I don't watch college football, possible. so I don't. So I, I'm really in the worst position to judge right. this necessarily because it, I don't consume ESPN generally it, speaking. So I don't I've know how much effort online, they're putting in. So from what I've seen online, there was, you know, some material on social media pushing the product and pushing the show. So I just hope it builds and stays consistent. Um, yeah. If they are going to be broadcast, going to be a broadcast partner, the UFC. That being they better, said, given how much they paid for it. Don't have a very positive outlook on ESPN, and as of right now, I have no interest in being sort of a long-term subscriber to ESPN Plus. I do not think it's a good service, okay. especially especially when you already have UFC Fight Pass. Um, Fair enough. Um, I, I think it's a waste of money. Even at five dollars, it's a waste of money. Just because I don't watch enough, I don't watch enough sports. I don't watch enough ESPN to justify paying another sixty dollars a year on top of Amazon Prime and Netflix. That's fair. Uh, all right, I agree with again. I obviously agree with a fair bit of what Jeff brought up there. Uh, I I'm still kind of waiting and seeing on ESPN Plus necessarily. I I agree again. My thing with my whole thing with Hulu for it still is, mind you. If you're charging me money to access your content, I 
especially something like Hulu, which is so segmented, I don't want to deal with commercial breaks. I just, I'm not a big fan of it. I mean, if you're paying, they should be giving it to you ad free. It's, I'm, I believe that's the, that's the deal on Crunchyroll. I'll take, I'll take your word for that. If you Um, like anime, if you, if you do the, the premium version of Crunchyroll, you, I think you get it ad free and you get, um, and you get, uh, content the simulcast content as it comes out instead of having to wait a week otherwise you wait a week and you watch it with ads um so that's um okay beyond that uh i the video the video packages that they had for like between fights and whatnot uh i liked they feel they felt a little better i don't know what it was that they changed i don't know if it was uh just a lighting scheme or some something else because yeah i mean it's it is serving the same function that they were doing before. It looked fairly polished. They kept it moving. You know, we got more, I think we got more just sort of interview inserts building up to the main event. Um, look, ESPN, they've been doing this a long time. They know how to present sports. Um, and I think they, you know, all things considered, considering ESPN is fairly new to the MMA game. I think they did a good job. And let's be honest, none of us like the Fox robots on the on the Fox Sports broadcast. I think you would agree, right? Yeah, I don't hate the robot. As okay. far as as far as mascots go, you could do worse. I get I get all right. Um oh the uh the UFC on ESPN theme song type of thing that they had. Uh when they first debuted it near the end of the Fox era, I I don't know what it was about it that didn't quite that didn't quite work for me. I don't know if it was just too many people talking over it, or if they've retooled it a little bit since then. If you just they did some refinements or whatnot, but uh, I was digging that. Uh, that it's a really nice kind of blend of orchestral and rock music. It's mostly instrumental with like thro- a bit of like sort of throat singing. I don't know how it's accomplished for the purposes of this. It might it be purely really synthetic that much, but I, no, it didn't, nothing I heard sounded awful, but it didn't really sound too memorable either, but I'd have to listen to it again. Yeah. Uh, again, it's just, it's kind of designed to be there in the background when they're doing, you know, between stuff or showing sure. graphics. And I thought it served the purpose. Well, it, uh, again, sure. it kind of worked for me. So, uh, kudos to that. Uh, all right. With, uh, the you know the production side of things out of the way, um, the actual fights, which were there were there were highs and lows. Um, but let's start with the main event. Our Boy howdy! Main event. Henry Cejudo done beat the stuffing out of T.J. Dillashaw I'm, in I'm, 34 seconds. I'm so angry right now. Uh, what about this fight? Never should have happened. Okay. It was a waste. It was a waste of time and a waste of money. UFC clearly wanted to just usher out the flyweights and hopefully give TJ another belt, and that's not what happened. But we had a contender at bantamweight in Marlon Marais, and now. And now we, we've essentially screwed not just Flyweight, but we, we've basically killed and logjammed Bantamweight as well. And it makes me furious. Okay, fair Bantamweight enough. Bantamweight is screwed. It's screwed right now. I'm, I don't know. I'm We're not screwed. sure. Like, it, it, 
it, it absolutely could be. Let me be clear about that. It really could be. Um, as for the fight, I mean, that was, was my takeaway from this fight and what and all the shenanigans after the fight. Um, the fight itself again, it's 34 seconds. Um, Cejudo comes out and, uh, I, I imagine like his, it, this felt like his whole plan was, okay, I got one round and I'm going to go all out. And I mean, I imagine he had a plan B if the blitz attack didn't work, but, uh, he came out like had gotten done through 12 weeks of what looks like the most brutal weight cut of his career. He looks like a character out of a Stephen King movie just a day before. Um, is it any wonder he had trouble taking a shot like he could at 135? No, not. I mean, some. Uh, I, do, I have no doubt it was a contributing factor. Uh, whether it was the determining factor, I, I don't and know. Look, I picked TJ to win. So did I. But even if I had picked Cejudo, I would not have picked him to do it like this. Well, he made weight. He 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 was able to make weight, and and he made weight without issue. But it's what that weight cut does to you. Yeah, there's a lot, and this and we look. It happened to Rafael dos Anjos too. Yeah, he made lightweight reliably for the again a long time had a lot of success there became, too and became champion but the fight right before he lost the title to eddie alvarez he was passing out during his weight cuts he passed yep. out three times it's you are wait you are literally destroying your body you're dehydrating fluid from that goes to your that's supposed to be going to your brain goes to a lot of places it, but it, yeah, you're, you're sucking as kidneys, much water out of yourself as possible in a lot of respects. Kidneys, your circulatory system, it, 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 it messes you up. It's not as, as dangerous as fighting is, weight cutting is equally, if not more dangerous. Um, no, there was a... And no, it was not the sole reason he lost, but... Was do I think it contributed to that? Absolutely. But you know, Henry Cejudo is probably a genius now for making Dillashaw move down to flyweight instead of taking the fight at one thirty-five. Um, uh, I've said before at bantamweight, I don't. I mean, this fight it does cast a bit of extra light onto things, but I would still probably favor TJ if they fought at bantamweight. I don't know. Uh, favor much. Yeah, again, I never, there's there's a lot that got showed. I never showed want here. to see this fight again. And now it's and now we got and now Cejudo, if Flyweight, I I mean, look, if Flyweight's if Flyweight shuttered, he's gonna he's gonna want his title shot at bantamweight. Dillashaw, all he can talk about is getting another shot at Cejudo at Flyweight, and he's and he's a and he's acting like a child over it. I mean, he had his shot and he couldn't do it. Was it, Robert, was this stoppage too early? Too early, no. I don't think it was either. I mean, look, on the, sc like on the scale of, you know, the, the ideal stopping point of a fight, like, God, how do I phrase this? Okay, there are stoppages that are way too early, and there are stoppages that are way too late. We've all seen this. There's plenty yeah. of examples. In between those two points, there is 
it's not a singular point. There's again, there's a there's kind of it's kind of a continuum. There's a scale. So if we have way too early as set at say a one, and way too late set at a ten, I'm of the opinion that anything between about four to seven this is would, if this is if this was a, a a one to ten scale of that rating, I would call this an eight. I would not call it that at all. I don't think this was a. I don't think this was a late stoppage. Oh, uh, oh okay. Uh, well, no, no, I, sorry, sorry, sorry. One is early, and okay. ten one is late. Early. Ten is late. My so again, so my opinion is anything from like a one to about a four to about three, three and a half. So one to three, three and a half is a premature stoppage. This was not anything premature. from like seven to ten is late. He got rocked more than once, as I recall. Correct. He did. He got dropped a couple of times. Like, again, was I this? Like so ref- again, are we talking about a stoppage? Him, the referee gave him. Mul- I feel like the re- he gotten rocked multiple times, and the referee gave him. I feel like enough time to 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 move and try to recover, and he continually got rocked and was getting put on queer. He was on queer street. He was oh, yeah. covering and he was just getting jacked that. I mean, sorry, Dana White, that was not a horrible stoppage. We've seen horrible stoppages. This this was not one of those times. Yeah. Again, if again, if I'm great, if again on the scale, is this on the earlier side of Maybe. things? Then, yeah, yeah. before. Yeah. Again, like still- again, if we're dealing with ideal being somewhere between, you know, four to seven, give or take. We're in the four and a half, maybe five range. Like we are clearly, this was clearly swift once it hit the point where a stoppage was justified. And the reality is when you get into situations like this, again, if a ref really screws up one way or the other, I'm happy to call him on it. I have in the past and I will in the future. Plenty of late stoppages where the ref just lets it go on and on. Or near non-stoppages. I'm looking at you, Mario Yamasaki. I mean... It's happened, and, and I feel like we've seen it quite a bit recently. To me, this was not... This was not unjustified. Like, again, for I me, this like just... The referee, the referee was already showing leniency by, by letting it continue as long as it did. And I think TJ has no one to blame but himself. Yeah, when you, my thing about this is there, there clearly comes a point when you enter a range... Of you know yeah. damage being taken and yeah. the situation you're in, that the referee is largely justified either stop in in whatever decision the referee makes at that point. Sometimes that means it gets stopped. You know, three punches early. When I, bear in mind, when I say three punches early, that doesn't mean an early stoppage. It means if you know if if Cejudo had punched T.J. Dillashaw in the face three or four more times, we're pr- and then it stopped. It's not a late stoppage necessarily at that point, but it's also three or four more punches than he maybe necessarily has to take. And once you enter the zone of this fall, this now falls into justifiable discretion on the part of the referee, I don't think you can complain about it one way or the other. Again, are we talking about one well, that's... Hey, my point being, yeah, we're talking about a, a stoppage that was, again on the earlier side of things, but not premature. And I think there's an important distinction to be made between a fight that does not need to be stopped or shouldn't be stopped and a fight that the referee simply deems in that moment, okay, this is over. 
and that's just again that's just the reality of the situ of fighting in general i mean t this was not here's, the earliest stoppage i've ever seen this wasn't even my, the earliest stoppage of this kind that i've seen here's my issue you know fighters or fans will say we need to really see a more decisive knockout or finish in a situation like this and TJ Dillashaw might be acting like a crybaby, excuse me, a crybaby over this. But those extra shots to the head are not going to do him any favors. Um, I, I hate when that gets brought up because there's this very specific. No, no, no. I, I don't mean you. Okay. I mean when that point gets brought up. Okay. Like the, the point you're addressing. Yeah. Because there's a reason the standard is intelligent defense, not consciousness. Right. And look, was TJ still conscious at the end of this fight? Yes, very clearly he was conscious. You don't need to be unconscious to be in a compromised enough position for the fight to be stopped. And I, and I think there's a perfect, I quite frankly have no issue with the stoppage. I'm perfectly TJ, okay with it. TJ has no one to blame for himself. He, he was put in that position. Look, he, got, he came into the fight. He slipped on a kick like he does entirely too frequently because elements of his kicking technique put him in that position. He slipped. Cejudo kicked him in the face as he was getting up legally, mind you. He he found a really nice spot for it when TJ was legal to be kicked, and he threw what would normally be a leg kick, but because of TJ's positioning vertically, it wound up catching him in the chin. That clearly rocked him a little bit. He followed up. He just kept... He, TJ couldn't get out of the way of the punches, and... I never want to see this fight again. I'm, it's, I want this to be over with. We have too many guys at Bantamweight who, who are in line, and now Cejudo's going to act like he has a legit claim to a title shot, which arguably he does now. He does. I mean, again, like, I'm kind of on the same... I'm not, I, I'm not really okay with that either. And now Dillashaw, and now Dillashaw believes he, he was wronged and he's going to act like a bitter crybaby over this because he felt he was denied his rightful shot at flyweight. And believe I mean, never mind the TJ's plan. Let me be. Let's also be clear about this because I think TJ had brought it up. His plan, had he won, was to then call out Max Holloway. I mean, look, fighters say garbage like that all the I, time. No, I have no problem believing that's exactly what TJ would have done. I don't think he would have. Yeah. I think it. I think if TJ had beaten Henry Cejudo, he would have laughed at all the flyweights on the mic, looked at Max Holloway sitting cage side, and said, "I'm going to be a champ, champ, champ. Your slow ass is next." Whatever. Um, and then, I mean, bear in mind, if that fight ever happens, I think Holloway Cejudo's, kicks his ass. Cejudo's acting like the, and here's why Cejudo makes me angry. He's acting like the savior of the flyweight division when all he wants to do now is move up and fight for the bantamweight title. How does that? How does that keep the flyweight division going and stable? It doesn't. It doesn't. So that, God, I, I, I mean, if Cejudo were to defend the title against Joseph Benavidez, okay, all right, let's keep it going. But he's not going to do that. No, and it's it's a crying shame. I mean, I I said it right after we've Cejudo won killed, the belt. We've killed two divisions, Rob Robert. Uh, we're we've put flyweight in a position where it's nearly dead and we're I don't think we've killed Bantamweight but there's a definite possibility for log jamming He's poisoned, we're poisoning Bantamweight now because of this mess this fight never should have been booked it was a mistake from the get go
And and you want to know what Demetrius Johnson? Part of this blame can be laid at Demetrius Johnson's feet. He should have fought TJ when it was available. He probably would have gotten a nice payday out of that, but he said no. Eh. I mean, look, if he doesn't, if he'd rather fight contenders than fight TJ, there were. I mean, this is one of those things that I think we're going to wind up applying too much current knowledge to hindsight of, look there weren't there weren't a lot of ready-made contenders at flyweight come on no, at, were, no, no, no. at the time that was be, at the time that theory was being floated it did make it, i was a again i didn't want to see it because of a but lot of ray the same borg, reasons i didn't want to see ray this borg was a name ray, ray borg was not a worthy contender i'm sorry he was no. he was not a contender when well tj fought. wasn't the champion at the time either huh TJ wasn't the champion no, at the time, but he, but it would have given, it would have shut TJ up because he would have gotten a title shot. Um, and DJ, I think probably would have won. I would have probably favored DJ in that fight. Um, at flyweight, had they fought, I still yeah. would have. No, no, I still would have leaned TJ. I still no, would. I, I mean, picked, I probably would have picked DJ at the time. I mean, again, knowing or, like knowing now, like knowing what again what happened last night. Yeah, but. In the you know going back to where I was, no reason at the for time. TJ not to take the fight with TJ, honestly. Other than okay, he's never fought at flyweight before, but I mean like, what Ray Borg is not Ray Borg didn't exactly clean out the the top five contenders to get a shot at the title. He was just another guy that was there who had a couple wins, had trouble making weight, um, and was available. Uh, the, the other issue that DJ had with that fight was the compensation for it. I'm sure they could have worked something out. I mean, you'd like to think that, but that again, that's one of his stated issues was I will fight TJ. Here's my, here's the monetary compensation I want. And the UFC was balking at it. And look, that's fine. Like that happens in business all the time. They meant it. I think he meant it. I don't think he, I mean, he, he, he had a concern about TJ coming down to flyweight because DJ really wanted to break Anderson's record. And if TJ misses, he can't do it, and that's fair. Okay, and if that, if that's, I, I mean, I if mean, that was DJ's priority at the time, fought, fine, that's on him. He fought Ray Borg, and Ray Borg missed weight. He was got a history of missing weight. Yes, he had a history of making fly weight as so, well. Like, so that logic, that logic was was moronic. No. Okay. Yes, it will. No, no. Yes, Borg. Look, Borg had missed weight in the past. Yes, Borg had also made weight multiple times as well. All right, and and TJ, TJ, and TJ had never. Coming All right, close and, Ray Borg, and Ray Borg, when he, when it came time to fight DJ, what happened? He made weight. No, he didn't. He missed weight the first time, remember? They had to push it back. Yeah, he, he wound up making weight. Yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. get me wrong, by the skin of his teeth, I'm not going to pretend no, otherwise. Robert, he the, the, the first time the fight was supposed to happen, he pulled out, remember? No. Yes. I, no, no, I'm no, I don't remember that. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I do not remember specifically that sequence of events. How how can we not um hear? Hang on. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm going to He it was supposed to happen at 2:15. Fight was canceled the day before the event as Borg was forced to withdraw from the Okay. Fight. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I remember that. Now, to, yeah. And it was due to his weight cut, okay? Yeah. Oh, he had illness due to his weight. Yeah, I, okay, I remember that now. Okay, I, 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 I just forgot weight, that. And he had already missed weight once before. So, DJ's logic was far from sound. He should have yeah. just taken the fight with TJ Dillashaw. 
it's not the UFC's responsibility to make sure he can do a victory lap into breaking the record. I'm sorry. No, it's not. And it's also not DJ's job to accommodate their desire to have TJ it's be a big star. Like, it's sort of like this attitude where Ariel Juan is like, oh, no, I don't want Rose to fight in Brazil. She shouldn't have to fight in the home turf of a Brazilian. No, no, those are two. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Those are two different things. Look, my look. If DJ wanted to prior, had a priority, then that's on him, and he negotiated with the UFC, and they came to an amenable Whatever. sense of it's, terms. It's there's silly. not, there's not a third party argument to be made there. DJ should have, DJ should have taken uh, for the reasons I've stated. Rayborg was not a legitimate contender for the bell. Um. TJ had never missed weight. It probably he his management probably could have negotiated a, a nice payday for him. He should have done that fight. Look, if it they, was, I think if they could have come fight, to financial terms, he would have done it. It was the biggest fight he could have had um, for the title. In in, uh, in some respects, yes, that was absolutely the biggest fight he could have been in. Uh, by the same token. Big is a nebulous concept. If the only if it if being in a big fight doesn't actually affect your paycheck, who cares? Well, it might it might have. I mean, again, that's why. Not, you, I, look, don't get me wrong. That's why you negotiate these things. I'm not saying I was not in not a broad based condemnation. I don't know what was on the. I don't know what was on the table. Nah, me neither. And all I look, the only thing I know is. Whatever they, whatever they tried to, however they tried to negotiate it, it didn't work. Now we know, we we know. Apparently, they did offer Faber versus Dillashaw at one point, God, and I think a, Faber was, Faber what, said no. What a terrible decision that right. would have been. Well, anyway. Well, I'm not happy. I the, I mean, talk about a fuster cluck. We're we're dealing with that right now. Yeah, there's a <laughs> lot of. This does muddy the waters a little bit going and forward. Have, and look, if he, and if Henry Henry stop acting like a hero of flyweight, if all you want to do is move up, I'm sorry. No, that's that's very fair. You want to be the hero? You want to be the hero of flyweight? Cejudo campaign to fight Joseph Benavides to keep flyweight going. That's how you be a hero. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I, I hate that this muddies the waters around, again, bantamweight, because you have a very clear-cut number one contenders fight in a few weeks between uh, Marlon Moraes and, Aust- and Rafael Austin South. Was, was arguably already the clear-cut number one contender before this whole mess. Had you given Moraes the title shot, I wouldn't have complained. Uh, I, But you know the fact that he did lose a close split decision, officially, that, bear in mind, I do think he won— to Austin Sow, and Austin Sow is actually one and one with TJ. It just other, and then he beat three other top fighters, didn't he? Uh, yes, he, yeah, he beat Dodson, then he finished uh, Sterling and Rivera. So yeah, three. Uh, and again, like don't don't get those me wrong. Are, if they'd given it to Marais, I wouldn't have complained. Those are, those are top five contenders, are they not? Um, Rivera. Dodson, I don't think Dodson was. Sterling and Re- Sterling was top ten. Rivera was top five. See where I want to see where um, Sterling is right now. Uh, is right Sterling? now he's still. Right now I think he's still top ten. S- Sterling's no, right now. He's number seven. Rivera's Rivera's number five. 
Um, Rivera was number three. I want like two. Rivera was like right. three or four right. when he and Morais fought. That was like number three versus number and four. Dotson's in Dotson's in Dotson's eight. So he has three top. That's three top ten wins. How after, is Dotson still eight? After losing, after losing a close split decision to a guy uh, to the number three. Uh, yeah, he lost a close split decision to a guy that literally no one looks and good Cruz, against. And Cruz shouldn't even be ranked right. Cruz shouldn't even be ranked right now. No. Look, as long as it's been since he fought and that he's injured again, Cruz should not be ranked. Um, yeah, I'm just not happy about any of these developments. I mean, we're going to have to see how things play out over the next couple of weeks, but... Uh, yeah, it's... Thanks for nothing, Thanks for nothing Cejudo and Dillashaw. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say thanks for nothing because maybe, maybe not nothing, but just you know, thanks for ruining two divisions. Thanks, thanks for tying up two divisions even longer, guys. <laughs> yeah, that that's fair. Um, again, as far as the 32 second fight goes, it's, it's funny. This was the you know the debut main event for the UFC on the ESPN networks. I'll include the streaming service there, mm-hmm. and it goes 30 seconds. The Debut fight for UFC on Fox, Velasquez versus Dos Santos won, went like a minute and five seconds. There there seems to be a little bit of a curse going on there. That's not, I mean, you know what? To me, that even that in itself isn't a curse. No, no. Okay, let me rephrase. Okay, curse is the wrong word. There's a bit of a trend. And in fairness to that point, this event was much better from a presentation standpoint than the UFC's debut on Fox, I mean, where they spent an hour just talking. I mean, I got to be honest. To me, the idea that, like, a fight ends in a surprisingly quick knockout, I mean, to me, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not always, and in some cases, it's a really good thing. I mean, Roy Jones, I can't remember if it was senior or junior, has had a very famous quote about this. If you're fighting someone you really respect and are borderline afraid of, Go out there and try to spark them as fast as possible, because then you are so unlikely to ever have to fight them again. Mm. I mean, if you want a few examples, Nunez and Cyborg, you know, Nunez went out there and the way she did that, in addition to her not wanting to go back to featherweight, apparently just it kind of removes a lot of the interest in the rematch. Um, Oh, Aldo and Swanson. Uh, when When those two fought, Jose Aldo decided to throw a flying double knee and knock Cub Swanson out in what yeah, should have been like three that was, seconds. That was totally different. Swanson, Swanson was really just a stepping stone for Aldo at that point. Well, sure, but at, but also at the time, Swanson d- did ask some interesting questions of Jose based on all available knowledge and style, and Aldo just, you know, again, flying kneed him into oblivion. Swanson was, a, Swanson was still the dude who got submitted by Jens Pulvert. Oh, yeah, that was true. He but, was not. He was not the. He was nowhere close to becoming the legit contender. He would. He would later on. No, that's true. But even now, look how many years later, we've mm-hmm. never even heard rumor of a rematch. Mm. I mean, Swanson's come close a couple times. Uh, I. But again, like every time it gets brought up, there's a lot of. Well, just a lot of well, it ended in like eight seconds last time, and well, should have been Cejudo's less. demanding a well, Cejudo's demanding a rematch because now he wants the bantamweight belt, and Dillashaw felt he was denied his rightful fight. So, screw in, in TJ's mind, he's still undefeated. 
Well, look, TJ thinks the ref screwed him when he fought John Dodson. He doesn't think he lost the first Dawson South fight. He doesn't think he lost the Cruz fight. And he doesn't think he lost this fight. I mean, there's a lot of self-delusion that goes into professional athletics. Defend your Bantamweight title. Move on. Yeah, I mean, look, there was a really nice uh, photojournalist piece uh, out on ESPN, actually, about TJ's weight cut. He looks like Christian Bale in The Machinist. I mean, he he made the weight, and you know, credit to him for that, but this is very... Cl- I mean, even walking to the cage, he didn't look good. This is very clearly not his optimal performing weight class. You ever see that... Uh... 1996 um, film based on a Stephen King book, Thinner. Uh, no, I haven't seen the movie, but I have read the book. He looked like that. I'll take. I, I'll have to look it up. I'll take your word for it. But yeah, he he did not look good. I mean, he didn't even look good walking to the cage. Like his arms just surprised looked surprised. Dillashaw and his team let that stuff get out. Yeah, I mean. In fairness, in minor fairness to that point, if you did that same kind of piece around a lot of fighters, they look similar. Well, I mean, we've seen stuff like that about Darren Till, Cyborg, before fights they won, but it's still not a good look. No. No, you know, there was a lot of debate about bad optics going into this fight. To me, bad optics was, was that photo of TJ Dillashaw during his weight cut. That was bad optics. Yeah, we'll see what comes out of it. I mean, there's there's going to be a lot of... I imagine there will be a lot of discussion about, again, how did the weight cut affect his performance? I mean, that's all That's all they talked about on the post-fight show on ESPN+. Plus. I didn't watch it, so I'll take your word for it. That's pretty much all they... The, I mean, Bisbing, 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 Bryant, and Rashad, that's all they talked about. They, they basically... Whether it was or not, that's basically the reason they credited for TJ's loss. Which is kind of a shame because it ignores the good things Cejudo did. I mean, again, 30 seconds. There's only so much tape to analyze. He poses about how he's nice and filled out. And Bryant talked about, there was some lip service about, you know, looking nice and filled out at a higher weight and some other stuff. It was a little silly at times, but whatever. It's that analyst. It's that analyst desk after a six-hour event. Yeah, they're going to be silly. Yeah. But again, we don't know what's going to happen going forward yet. Again, Jeff mentioned TJ says he wants to fight the, again at flyweight, uh, which is asinine. Cejudo apparently wants to go up to bantamweight and become a champ. Champ. I hate that nomenclature, but such is life. Um. Which I'm not all that interested in necessarily, but Daniel Cormier—he's the one who basically started that. No. Look, look, Cormier has a second house located between Henry Cejudo's legs. Like he lives on that man's nuts. I mean, they're both. I mean, look—they're Olympic wrestlers. They were on the same team. Okay, there you go. They were on the same Olympic wrestling team. They have a long history with each other. I don't don't begrudge him. People are biased toward their friends. They are. And again, I I don't necessarily begrudge him that in some weird, uh, you know, esoteric sense. Like, you have your friends. If your friends are fighting, you're going to nut hug a little bit. I get it. I don't like it, but I do understand it. Hey, good for Henry Cejudo, because he's probably well on his way toward a Hall of Fame run. I mean, think about this for just a second. 
not just you, but anyone listening. In back-to-back fights, somewhat controversially, fair enough, but in back-to-back fights, Henry Cejudo defeated Demetrius Johnson and TJ Dillashaw. Yeah. That is a, that is a monumental accomplishment. Right. Uh, again, I don't like the way, again, I don't like the idea of him going back up. Because if he wins at bantamweight, the UFC can just, oh, hey, you're the bantamweight champion now. No more flyweights. Yeah. But, and we'll see, again, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens with some of this. But... Again, credit to him, man, because a lot of people, myself included, didn't give him much he's of a chance still, in this fight. He's still the the first uh, Olympic gold medal wrestler to win a UFC title. He's the first Olympic gold medalist of any kind to yeah. win a UFC title. Not not first Olympic medalist to win a title, but first Olympic gold medalist to yeah. win a UFC title. He was the first Olympic champion and UFC champion. Right. So I mean, we've had other medalists yeah, in, pretty, in different things. But. That's a pretty distinct. It's a pretty distinct honor. That that is, man. And the fact, I mean, he's he's got a. He was inducted into the National Wrestling Hall of Fame uh, prior, I believe, prior to his fight with DJ, which he absolutely deserves. Uh, dude's got a hell of a resume going on right about now. He's doing, yeah. He's on his way. Uh, all right. Next up in our co-main event. You know, I spent so much time thinking about the points of maximal chaos related to the main event that I really should have thought about the co-main a little bit more. Because I don't know that I would have arrived at this situation, but I probably would have been close. What a perfect ending to this fight. Um, Alan Crowder defeats Greg Hardy via DQ in the second round when Hardy basically knocked him out with an illegal knee. I mean... I'll say this one thing to defend Greg, Greg Hardy. We've seen more experience. People call this a rookie mistake. We've seen more experienced and seasoned veterans throw fouls and illegal knees like this. Yeah, I I agree with you. Let me say this about this situation. Uh, yes, I think it is. It is Eddie largely Alvarez, a rookie mistake. Eddie Alvarez, Eddie Alvarez did it to Poirier. Bisping uh, did it to Jorge Rivera. Yep. Even though the fight was not, it, it, that was not a disqualification. Should have been, but Rivera was too tough for his blatant, own good. Blatant foul. It was a blatant foul. Horribly and... blatant. That, that was, like, really, if I was ever a fan of Bisbing, and I can't remember my fandom at various points, the way he handled that just killed it for me. Also, Charles Oliveira and uh, Nick Lentz. Oliveira and, yeah. It, this does happen. Like, let's, and that's one of the things. Like, I'm Not regularly, but it, it has happened with more experienced fighters. And, Frankly, it happens a lot more when you get guys of the experience level of Greg Hardy. I mean, Greg Hardy was 3-0 and coming into this fight. He was 3-0 and as an amateur, but he'd been fighting for like two, maybe three years. There's a level of real-time sophistication that goes into this, well, especially once you get out of your comfort zone. Here's my thing about Greg Hardy. I'm not saying he should never be in the UFC ever. But I don't think he should be in the UFC right now. I would agree with that. I mean, he, look, look, setting aside the finish, this was just a bad fight. Right. Well, like, look, he's, he's what, three fights into his pro career or four, four now? Four now. So now he's three and one. People are like, he doesn't have a lot of experience. Well, I don't think UFC is the best place to build your experience for an MMA career. It's not. Especially not being thrust into high-profile situations like this immediately. I mean, Cain Velasquez debuted when he was, I think, three and zero. Two and zero. 
2-0 and in the UFC, yeah, because no one would fight him. But he didn't start in the co-main event of a major in the you know in the co-main event of a pretty well, high-profile fight. He started in the prelims where you should. Velasquez, you know, was a highly decorated NCAA Division One wrestler. He had a he had he did he had a good wrestling background. He was, seasoned, he was already a seasoned combat sports veteran and. Football is a very athletic sport, especially the NFL, but it's not a combat sport. No, it ah. is not. And, and I mean, look, this fight started sucking after about 30 seconds. Like, these are just low-level heavyweights, none of whom have a lot of technique, none of whom have cardio, none of whom have anything, really, apart from a bit of raw power. I mean, Greg Hardy spent, like, three minutes of this round on his back. And I still thought he won the round because Crowder did nothing from top position. I, I mean, this was, uh, this was just a bad fight. Greg Hardy should not be in the UFC at this point. He's not good enough. Well, unfortunately the Greg Hardy experiment is not over. They'll probably give him one more. And I mean, it wouldn't shock me, but they're going to get, I think they're going to give him more than one. And I think it'll depend on the outcome of the look. War. I don't know what kind of numbers this show did, but uh, uh, there's there always was... come back. Let's come back to that after we get through the card, okay. because they, they, there have been some numbers got, sort of released got more attention than pretty much everyone else on this card. Yeah, so. he did, He was absolutely put in a high profile position here. They're going to keep him around for as long as they possibly can. For as long as they can reasonably justify it, yeah, and I'll have to suffer through his fights. Because if he doesn't knock you out in 30 I had to seconds... Suffer too. I had to suffer through that, too. Yeah, you could have once saved I yourself. Realized, once I realized... I was the one who was like, oh, man, we're out of the first round. We're, we're- it's not just the first round. Like with, the, with this level of heavyweight, you get maybe 90 seconds. I feel like whenever someone says we don't need a, we don't need the judges for this one, or there's you, no way you're to just tempting fate, man. Don't do it. <laughs> whenever, whenever they promote, you know, we're guaranteed to get an, a, a quick knockout here. It never happens. Well, that's why you should yep. never do that. Just, yep. Just don't do it. You can, if you want to, if you want to talk about both guys independently, fine, but just don't tempt fate like that guys. You should know better. Uh, again, it was just a bad fight. So, I don't like bad fights. Boom, heavyweights. I mean, we've got. I mean, on the plus side, we have our early front runner for worst fight of the year because this thing sucked. Um, moving on to good fights. Uh, Gregor what, Gillespie. Here's my question about: Did Greg Hardy throw that knee on purpose? Is he a dirty fighter? Oh, I don't know. I mean. Look, Michael Bisbing throwing it, throwing a knee at Jorge Rivera when Rivera's on both knees in front of him, that's a dirty, that's a dirty move. Um, Oliveira landing the illegal knee in transition because you can't really see, that happens. He should have known better, bear in mind, but we've seen crap like that, it happens. In this instance, I think you were just dealing with an inexperienced fighter. Not only inexperienced in, t- in number of fights, but inexperienced in how fighting really goes once you get out of, you know, the first minute of a fight. 
Because Greg had Greg Hardy had not only knocked out all of his opponents in the first round, he'd done it within the first like two minutes. I mean, he was just blitzing guys. And there's a degree of experience to what a long fight feels like that you only get by fighting long. I mean, we've seen plenty of fighters much better than Greg Hardy who drown that first time they get out of the first round or two. It happens. I think you were dealing with an inexperienced fighter who was gassed, who probably thought that Crowder was going to be faster getting up than he was because if Crowder got up to one knee before the illegal blow landed, if Hardy waits another second or two, that's a fair shot. I think this was a lot of inexperience in terms of time fighting. There's a lot of inexperience in terms of number of fights. It was a lot of inexperience in terms of knowing yourself and your body and your mind when you are physically exhausted, which is a whole different thing. You me, everybody else, you are an entirely different human being when you are physically exhausted. And I think that all just kind of culminated for him. Again, is he, I don't think he's, I don't, at, based on the available evidence, I do not believe he is an intentionally dirty fighter. But we also have limited evidence, so I'm not going to, you know, weigh in on that too heavily at the moment. But. If you were to, but again, if you were looking at Greg Hardy's UFC debut and you wanted to script the point of maximal chaos, this is it. This is about it. <laughs> I mean, it's oh, it's it's just like again, like if you if you wanted to script it, like okay, he comes out, he looks decent for thirty seconds, he looks like crap for a round, and he gets DQ'd for an illegal knee. Let's just and let's just see where the pieces fall. Well. We can always get more grandstanding if he does continue to fight, and that's always fun. Yeah, fun. Moral grand, moral grandstanding, that is. We'll see. Um, all right. Next up, oh, this was fun. Gregor Gillespie, baby, uh, defeats Yancey Medeiros via TKO, four fifty nine of the second round. Gregor, talk. I mean, look, we got to start talking about Gregor Gillespie being. A potential contender, man. Because uh, he is at a minimum the prospect to watch in that division right now, and rapidly becoming a contender. He really needs to be in like a top five, if not very close to a top five fight next. Yeah, uh, I need to pull. No, you know what? No, no. He needs to be. He needs to fight a top five guy for his next fight. Who are the top five guys right now? Um, man, I'll, I'll bring I'll, him up. Hang on. Ferguson, probably Ferguson. We have to be Tony. Dustin, probably Connor because reasons. Kevin Lee, maybe. Oh no, Iakenta. There you go. Iakenta, you're not getting a fight with McGregor. Sorry. No, but... that that we're actually going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. Yeah, you could do Iaquinta. Uh Barbosa, Barbosa and Gate. Oh, I got shells, man. Thinking about that fight. We'll get to that in a minute. Um. If you wanted to do someone more towards the number ten spot, you could. I don't know where. I mean, I don't know where Gillespie's going to land after this performance because the yeah. ratings aren't updated yet. Because Hernandez is going to drop, he's going to rise. Uh, you could do him and Vic. I don't know. Um, Pettis is maybe leaving the division, so let's count him out. Barboza. Uh, Barboza and Gage are fighting, and I am just going to like have a fight violent the, orgasm. Fight the winner of that, or. He- could fight Ayakinta. Yeah. Or, or Kevin Lee. 
Him and Lee would be interesting because they're both such good grapplers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Gregor just Medeiros, I think, landed well, Gillespie, all of two. I mean, Gillespie is a. I mean, he's a Division One champion. Yeah. And he is translated very well to the MMA space. Got that that year that um, I can't, I think the year I can't remember if it was the year he won or just one of the years that uh, he was competing. The bracket he competed in also featured. Uh, Gage, Justin, it also featured Gagey, uh, Olympic gold medalist, Jordan Burroughs. And wow, there was somebody else too. Like it was a, it was a ridiculously stacked. He, he that man is, that man competed opposite some unbelievably gifted wrestler fight again right away, but his next fight should be a very big fight. Yeah. My feeling. At a minimum, a significant step up in competition because, well, Yancey's not a can. He Yancey's was also just returning to lightweight. Yeah, but he, Yancey's a bit of a – he's a tough opponent, but he's a journeyman. Yeah, I, I, he definitely needs to fight a ranked opponent next, if nothing else, because he just – he ragdolled Yancey. As soon as he got close distance and got his hands locked, Yancey couldn't break his grip and just got – Matt returned over and over and beat up and positionally dominated. I mean, credit he's to Yancey. Just, he's not just grinding guys. He's finishing them. He has the longest active finishing streak in the UFC. Kamaru Usman, I mean, he's the grinder. And they even had to give him a title shot at some point. Um, I don't know if Gillespie becomes champion, but I, I think he very will. I'll be in the picture sooner rather than later. It's just, well, I mean, look, the lightweight title picture is a mess now, but at the moment, I mean, look, we could, I mean, with all these new legacy belts we have, we could be having more interim fights sooner or later. So there you go. It's entirely possible, but yeah, Gregor keeps rolling. Uh, again, longest active finish streak in the UFC right now is Gregor Gillespie. Right. So, be, well, be aware of that man he's doing the he's putting the work in man and god willing one day in the future there will be a fishing show hosted by gregor gillespie and kyoji horiguchi yeah i mean he's a humble dude and um he fights like an animal yeah he's and he's well-rounded yeah he's getting there I'm, he's I, I would say he's fairly well-rounded he's not he's not one-dimensional he submitted Gonzalez and Pichel, and he knocked out Rinaldi and Medeiros. Um, yeah, but if memory weren't those both uh, arm triangles, the submissions yes, they were, they were, which is a very wrestler-friendly submission, and both of those, and all of it, all of his uh, finishes by strikes have been on the ground, which is still nothing to sneeze at. He has, of his thir- he's undefeated. Of his thirteen wins, he has five submissions, six knockouts. He's got more finishes. He's only been the, he's only been the distance twice. Right. And one of those was his UFC debut against right. relatively underappreciated Glyco Franca. In Brazil. In yeah. Brazil. So. Went down to Brasilia and beat up a Brazilian. Uh, right. Yeah. Pay which attention is, to Gregor Gillespie, guys. You know, which is a reason why it, it's stupid to be all like Rose can't fight or win in Brazil or yeah. something. I agree. Um Joseph Benavides and Dustin Ortiz had a darn good flyweight fight. It was okay. Uh, if you like, if you like wrestling, uh, and I mean actual wrestling, not the MMA conception of wrestling, this was great. Ortiz this, had his moments in this fight. I think 
he could have won. I feel like he could have won this. He was close. I mean, they were one apiece going into the third. Benavidez looked to be fading. Then he just made a mistake in transition, and Benavidez got his back for long enough to definitively win the third round. I feel like Ortiz could have won this if he just was a little more active. Get a little more. Again, it's not activity because it just comes down to that one round. Because, right. Because Benavidez clearly takes the first. He, Which is not to say Ortiz didn't have success in the first. But that was Benavidez's round. Ortiz takes the second, and then, again, he just winds up a little bit too much forcing of grappling exchanges, and then, again, he winds up getting his back taken, and while Benavidez doesn't do anything with it, having your back taken for a significant period of time is a difficult scoring deficit to overcome, and he just wasn't able to do it. for Benavidez. He's in, like, the... Can you be in a worse position than him right now and fighting in the UFC? Um, He... Yes, but it's hard to get there. To be for him to be such a top, he's legitimately the top contender at flyweight right now. Yes. He he. Yet he has multiple strikes against him because his last fight with um um Cejudo was not a good fight, and no one wants to see it again. It was a good fight. It just was marred by right. elements of controversial officiating. All right. Well, he's unlikely to get a title shot because of that. His the champion of his division. Well, he's unlikely to get a title shot because he got beat by Sergio Pettis two fights ago. Well, the champion of his, of his and, division. And Cejudo doesn't want to fight at flyweight. That yes, doesn't want to fight him at flyweight. You you would think Cejudo would want to fight the guy who has a win over him. You know. You would think. Um, to get that win back. Um. I mean, frankly, I'd favor Cejudo in a rematch. Had, Benavidez had to fight last night at flyweight. He's apparently re-upped at flyweight in a division that likely has very little to no future. And and yet he's he's arguably the top contender in the division right now. It just sucks. And he's it, not he's not getting a title shot anytime soon. It sucks for him. It does not appear likely that he's getting a title shot in the near future. I mean, look at his record. He has, he has. Benavidez is an, is an all-time great. Yeah. He's just struggled because, A, at Bantamweight, he was a bit, he was undersized, visibly undersized, and still had a lot of success. He's, and then at Flyweight, he just four, ran up against the one guy. He's, he's eight and one in nine fights. That's pretty impressive. He's eight and two in ten fights. His in, only losses are to Cruz, Johnson, and Cejudo. Or not Cejudo, and Pettis. That's it. I mean, he is again, he is a great fight fighter. And in, in, in the Pettis fight was a split decision. Eh, it shouldn't have been split. Pettis won that fight. Okay. And Pettis, the and the Pettis, only way to score that fight for Benavidez is to massively overvalue walking forward and missing punches and Pettis getting Pettis has already moved back up? Yeah. If Pettis, again, I don't dispute that Cejudo, that Cejudo was the clear number one contender at Flyweight. I mean, just be straight with Benavides. This man has been a loyal soldier for you for years. Not only that, he's one of the like nicest guys in the yeah. sport. Either tell him he he needs to move up and and pursue Bantamweight, or I don't let him. You know, let him give him the information he needs so he can make his decision on his career. Yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree with that sentiment. But uh, a good fight, 
all things considered. They had a, they had some really fun wrestling exchanges. There were a lot of great submissions, uh, submission attempts, scrambles. Uh, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with this fight. Uh, the second, the only other fight on the main card, apart I from the co-main fight, honestly. Uh, I didn't care for this next fight at all. I liked it. I mean, at all, at all. Um, Paige Van Zandt defeats Rachel Ostovich via armbar in the second round. Um, I really don't know how I want to approach this because... I thought Van Zandt had some good scrambles here. No, she had one good scramble. All right. Bear in mind it led to her winning the fight, so it's uh, it's the most relevant scramble, but... She was easily taken down whenever Ostovich wanted her there. So that's Oh a- god, it was so easy for Rachel to take her down and Paige's striking has somehow gotten worse. Like she's literally looking at the freaking ceiling when she's punching. It is so bad. And well, she got taken down, she got controlled. Look, her her entire had, game plan from the bottom is just stall out and pray for a stand up. He's had back-to-back broken arms. She hasn't won since 2016. Um, maybe, maybe this will help her. I don't I mean, know. It's not going to hurt. Like winning, winning very rarely hurts. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she's still not comfortable fighting with her broken arm. I mean, that wouldn't affect elements of her. Me- that wouldn't affect the elements of her mechanics that bothered me. I mean, like it, if you're hesitant about throwing the arm. She started very strong in the UFC, then hit a few roadblocks, had the arm injuries, and uh, now she's got to win. Maybe that'll boost her confidence again. Hey, look, she's at flyweight. We can fi- the UFC can finally make Van Zant versus Joanna. Oh, oh no, do, no, do not make that fight, please. I kind of want to see it. No, because I'm a terrible person who loves bloodshed. You, you are a terrible person to want. Hey, must- I just said I. I just said I about had a violence-related orgasm when I saw that uh, Justin Gaethje and Edson Barboza are going to fight. Do you hate Paige Van Zant and her husband that much? I don't hate Paige Van Zant. Yeah, you do. I do not. You want Joanna to murder her? There's a lot of people I would like Joanna to murder. Let's be clear about that. <laughs> that's not that list is not ex- <laughs> that's not exclusive to Paige. All right. Uh, but I, I mean, look, the UFC, I, I, they were kind of angling for that fight pretty clearly at strawweight for a while. I, and now Joanna's lost at flyweight. She's Joanna's only one in three in her last four. I thought Van Zant had some good submission attempts in here. I thought that rolling leg lock sequence looked pretty cool. Oh, God, that I'm torn on that because I appreciate the initiative, but none okay. of those were close. Like anytime she went for the straight knee bar. Uh, Rachel's leg was Rachel's knee was past her hips, and then there's no leverage. All of the heel hook attempts were it, it ignored the fundamental like what makes a heel hook work is your ability to control the opponent's other hip, like the hip, whatever leg you're attacking, you have to control the other hip side so that they can't roll out of it. That's what gives you the torque necessary to finish it. And she was obviously neglecting that. So, again, I appreciate the initiative she showed going for it, but there's a lot of mechanical stuff that desperately needs to be shored up there. I mean, even the armbar she got the finish with wasn't the best. Uh, There was a if Rachel had attempted a different escape, she would have been fine. 
I mean, what caused the whole thing to happen was she got Van Zant got too high on the back, and when you get too high on the back, there's a couple of things you can do. Uh, one of which is uh, you try to strip one of their legs out with the. You can either just strip the post, the leg, one of the legs that they're posting on, and return them to the mat, or you can try to roll through with a Sulawev stretch, which is what that move is actually designed for initially. Is if you get too high on the back and they're trying to brace up, you grab that leg, roll forward, and then just yank back on the hamstring. It's, I mean, it's a terrible technique. Bear in mind, terrible to be in. It's, it's beautiful to watch. Uh, one of the other things you can do is, if you're going to fall off and you know you're going to fall off, screw it, try an armbar. And that's kind of what she wound up doing. And then Rachel's only defense, uh, again, she just tried to base up and then shake Van Zant off, which was not the appropriate thing to do in that situation. I think if she had tried, well, A, if she'd gotten her posture under her better, because part of the problem was as Van Zant committed to the arm bar, Ostevich's balance was off, so she wound up collapsing onto her own arm, which led to her elbow getting eight kinds of screwed up. So her posture wasn't entirely correct. Uh, she didn't try to move her legs at all. Like I, I feel like there was a hitchhiker escape there, though. I could be mistaken. That would have been a better choice to try and defend that position, and she would have wound up on top. So just one of the reasons I didn't really care for this fight was it looked like a lot of other low-level MMA that I've seen. And some of that's just kind of natural, given that Ra- given that Rachel is inexperienced. I mean, she's four and- she's a four-and-five fighter. And that Van Zant has taken so much time off. There's only so much skill progression you're going to get when you're taking you know, time off to do all the other stuff she's done. And bear in mind, I don't begrudge her that either. If you want to capitalize on getting paid to do something other than get punched in the face, by all means, go for it. But it, it there was just a lot of relatively obvious errors both fighters were making that I can't help but watch them and go, you know, anyone who's a little bit better than the level you two are at is going to destroy you over these. Well, look, going into this fight, Rachel Ostevich was a four and four fighter. Yep. One and one in the UFC. She's not exactly. Not a seasoned vet by any stretch of the imagination. Not exactly what I would call a high, le- a high level opponent. Not like a, a Michelle Waterson type. I mean, there's even an argument about the specific level of opposition that Waterson represents at this point. And Van Zant couldn't overcome that, despite having a massive size advantage, because Michelle's a natural 115, a 105-er. But, uh, you know, Van Zant got back on the winning side of things, so, you know, good for, I mean, again, my overly critical nature, setting that aside, you know, good for her getting back on the winning side of things. Um, again, apparently Rachel's elbow is pretty severely damaged after that finish, so. I mean, that was a nasty armbar, and... There was a singular nasty moment in it, and that's really all it takes. Uh, credit to Paige um, for recognizing the tap, and she didn't, I mean, she didn't, like, wrench it back or hold on to it too long. Yeah, she, she felt the tap that the referee couldn't see because of the positioning everyone right. was in. I mean, in, in fairness, this wasn't the ref being grossly out of position. Rachel's free hand, the one she wanted to use to tap, was trapped between them. Like it was yeah, a weird the spot. It was the angle. Yeah. 
And uh, kicking everything off, well, kicking off, sorry, not everything, kicking off the main card, Glover Teixeira defeated Carl Ro- uh, Robertson via arm triangle choke in the first round. And Teixeira almost got blitzed in that first round. He went out for a second or two there. You can see it. Um, he get he goes in for a double leg. Robertson goes to those elbow strikes uh, that you get with the head outside single. Almost almost gets a stunning upset and then just lets it totally get away from him. I mean, it was the craziest thing in the world. He floors him with these elbows. Put, I mean, you can see Teixeira go limp a couple of times. Like, had they stopped it, I don't think I would have complained. They, it was like that. Gets full mount with an arm trapped. And Teixeira just kind of he-mans his way through it because, I mean, a lot of, and winds up reversing position, getting on top, gets full mount, gets the arm triangle. You know, I have a lot of fun at the expense of Glover Teixeira in a lot of ways. Uh, he's a battle-tested veteran, you but know. dude's 39 years old, and he is still out there in the trenches <clears throat> overcoming barrages like this and turning back the young guys. You know, serious on, credit uh, to that man. He must be on the gear. Wouldn't shock me. <laughs> um, some credit to Robertson for taking this fight. He's a he's normally a middleweight and took this on short notice after Iwan Kutilaba fell out. Uh, and again, Robertson had moments of success. I was uh, I'm a little more concerned with the fact that he wound up giving up, you know, losing from the dominant position that he had. But he's also a younger fighter, and Teixeira is again a, a war horse at this point. But, uh, yeah, so you know, credit to Glover, man, doing it for the old guys. The fact that he made a joke about Cerrone, because Cerrone, after he won and we'll get to his fight in a minute, mentioned that, you know, this was like his his like 30th some odd. This might have been his 40th fight under the Zufa banner under the, you know, it was the Zufa. 40th, yeah, it's you can't just say Zufa anymore. But after, between Zufa's time owning the WEC and now his time in the UFC. And Cerrone actually specifically said, you know, the old man can still get it done. And after Glover won, he said, you know, I know Cowboy said the old man can still get it done. I'm 39 and I'm still out here. The old man can definitely still get it done. Right. Good for him. And as a guy over 30 myself, I appreciate that. These guys are, I mean, they are beating much younger guys. I mean, let's see, Roberson is 28. Yeah, 11 years younger. Yeah. Hernandez is 26. So, I mean... Experience, experience does count for something in this. It does. It absolutely does. Uh, let's move on. I know this was on again the prelims, but I do want to get devote some time to Cerrone versus Hernandez because talk about this one. Pat yeah. Mullen. I mean, look, Pat Mullen on here was riding Cerrone off not long ago. Yeah, you know, Cerrone's kid being born seems to have reignited a lot of his fire, and you know. Parenthood will do that to you. Well, I mean, he did have a, a, a rough stretch, but look, one was a close fight with Robbie Lawler. One was not, he was knocked out by Darren Till, who's freaking huge. And frankly, the troubling fight that he lost in that stretch is the Edwards fight more than the others. But that wasn't a, that wasn't like a, that wasn't an insane, like he got destroyed or start kind of thing. He didn't get finished, but the reason that fight is the troubling one for me from a technical perspective, right? Leon Edwards was clearly just ready for literally everything Cerrone does in a fight. 
because Cerrone well, does the same things that he's done for the last five years. Cerrone has problems like that. I mean, he's had yeah. problems like that at lightweight. Well, and, and again, like a lot. And then he just destroyed Mike Perry. Yeah, and well, made Mike Mike Perry look like a dud. Yeah, it doesn't take much to make Perry look like a dud. All right. I mean, look, Perry's binary. He either has a glorious, violent-related knockout, or he looks like a but, sparring partner. But look, but look, whether it was justified for him to be that high up in the rankings or not, Cerrone just knocked out the number eleven ranked guy at lightweight. So, yep. and Cerrone, I think he does have a legit argument when when he he was basically number two when he went up the division. Yeah, he was he'd, top five, if nothing else. Because he had just had an eight and one run. The the one loss was the title fight with Rafael Dos Anjos. Yep. But going into that fight, he beat um he had beat Eddie he bet he beat Eddie Alvarez in his UFC debut. Yep. Before and Eddie Alvarez then went on a run to become champion after that loss. And he beat the former champion Benson Henderson, who had beaten him twice before earlier in their careers in the WEC in title fights, in five-round title fights. Um, yeah, he won that fight. I mean, the second fight wasn't fight, but he beat Benson Henderson in their in in their third fight. I mean... My issues with the scoring in that fight aside. He won that fight, I'm sorry. I I have to remember if I agree I with scored, that. I, I think I scored that fight for... I mean, it wasn't... It wasn't a huge emphatic victory, but I think it was a victory. Um, that was like the best run of his career, and he just came up. He just came up short against the champion, and then he moved up, and he had a fairly decent run at welterweight too. Until he, he, did. he had a good run at welterweight until he fought George Masvidal. Um, God, that was a bad. That was a I bad mean, look, loss for him. I don't man. think Cerrone's ever going to become champion, but. I think you do have to make a legitimate argument for him being a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Because Cerrone is one of the best guys to never win a UFC belt. We have we have guys we have guys in the Hall of Fame who aren't necessarily championship level in every Hall of Fame for every sport. Yes. Um it, you're not always gonna be it's not always a championship run that determines if you're Hall of Fame worthy. And Cerrone has, I feel like well, he has the most wins in the octagon right now, right? Most I, wins I, and most finishes. Uh, I mean, that ca- that does count for something, don't you agree? Oh, yeah. So, and I feel like he could still go for maybe not another 10 fights, but maybe let's say five to eight at least. Five almost certainly. And I think he's aware. he's aware of that. He's aware of that. But... He he moved back down and he beat a young buck, who was who was ranked, and I think that, you know, I think it just says a lot about Cerrone's resiliency, and I don't I don't know. As I said before, experience does count for something. Now that it, Cerrone is one of those older, he's one of the older fighters. In fairness, he's been one of the old war horses for about three years now. Yeah. And I don't say that with any disrespect. Like yeah. that guy's been around and fights a lot. I just I mean, I know he's at he's acting he's talking a lot about wanting to become champion. I just don't see it happening. Cuz he's I can't, he, he is I can't so, give him an I can't give him an edge over 
the top guys in lightweight. I mean, I would it's love to see that, him fight Khabib or uh, Tony. Just but, that he all he he he's so. Look, the book. I mean, the book's written on Cerrone, right? Yeah. Like Cerrone has done. Uh, he's fought the same way basically for the last like four years. Right. And I don't and bear in mind as often as he fights, there's only so much shifting that's going to occur in your skill set and your game planning and whatnot. But if you look again, I bring up the Edwards fight specifically. Watch Leon Ed. Watch Cerrone versus Edwards. Edwards is Edwards has a counter for every attack in every position that they find themselves in and Cerrone never adjusts because well I look mean, I mean I mean look Cerrone just doesn't show up sometimes that happens too yeah I mean some of it's him some I think a lot of it is just I mean Henderson I mean did you watch his second fight with Henderson at w- oh yeah Henderson got him in that guillotine almost immediately I mean I mean he looked like he didn't even know. He looked like he got in there and froze and didn't even know what to do. And that, and, and, and it happened to him a remarkable, maybe not a lot, but it happened to him when he gets in these big fight situations, you know? Yep. Um, and that's kind of why I can't predict him to win a title fight, but I mean, would you pick him over Tony Ferguson? No, never. Would you pick him over Khabib? No. Would you pick him over Poirier? Poirier, I think, would be a closer fight for him. Yeah, I'd agree with... Oh, God. I just said that. Now I can't stop thinking about it. Uh, um, that would be so well, fun. Well, I'd be, I'd be fine if Connor wants this fight and, and Cerrone wants this fight. I would be fine with that. Yeah. Just, just, to me, anything to keep Connor out of a title, out of a, out of a title picture. Yeah, but, after the... Cerrone called out Connor, I think, after his last fight, right. and then after this one, Connor actually responded well, to it. They, I mean, they they were, I mean, they were talking about each other a lot when the word was Connor was going to move up. Yeah, uh, I'm, I am very interested in that fight. I'd be fine with that fight. I think Cerrone has as good a chance of. I mean, look, I think I'm sorry. I think Connor is very beatable. And I think on a good night, I think Cerrone could beat Connor. Yeah, I think if he doesn't. Cerrone's absolutely got a got a chance in that fight. I, I think if he doesn't, you know, try to ball, brawl with Connor and maybe uses and uses his grappling game, which is very good. He does have a a great gra- uh, ground game. I, think I wish his takedowns were better, man. I mean, I would probably pick, I, I would probably pick Connor in that fight, but I think he he has his. You know, I think he yeah, could be- I, I agree. I think I'd lean towards Connor, but when I think he could find ways to win, just because again, I think Connor's a very beatable opponent, and I think we've seen that with the Diaz and um and the Khabib fights. Yeah, again, there's some pretty exploitable holes in Connor's game, and there's exploitable ones in Cerrone's, and it would be very interesting to see who was able to kind of capitalize first on that. Um. I, you know, again, this was this was an interesting fight because Hernandez came out and capitalized in a lot of respects on Cerrone's slow start. Cerrone didn't start as slow as he has in the past. It only took him about three minutes to get going because frequently in the past, it's been a whole round. I mean, the, we say Cerrone's a slow. He doesn't always start slow. It's not like clockwork, I would say. 
No, it, it it's it's re- it's a reliable assumption, but it's not a guarantee. Uh, and again, once he got going, Hernandez couldn't really adjust. Um, Hernandez had some moments of success in this fight, but he couldn't really string anything together. Uh, I was most troubled by his footwork. A lot of his attacks were very linear. Did he, have he did a lot of chasing. Did, did he have an adrenaline dump here, or did he just blow his wad? No, I think that's partially just how he fights at this point. Hmm. He just does a lot of that storm. And, I mean, against Darius, he did it. Against uh, Obama Mercier, he did it. He just comes out, and for those first couple of minutes, he's going to throw as much of the kitchen I mean, sink he, as he can at you. That can work. It can work sometimes, but if a fighter weathers that storm, it can be very dangerous. And that's a lot of what we got here was Cerrone. Again, Cerrone didn't have a good three minutes, but after that, he really kind of settled himself, started landing his counters, uh, started finding things. Uh, I, I mean, Hernandez would have been well served to actually add some feints into this game because anytime he was able to draw out Cerrone's counters he had opportunities that he just then didn't capitalize on by contrast I hate to bring this up again but it's a really good textbook example of these things working against Cerrone Leon Edwards every time he fainted and Cerrone bid on it he immediately then was able to capitalize on the opening presented by contrast here Hernandez got Cerrone to throw the intercepting knee a couple of times and you know, miss he just with fakes, but after Cerrone throws it and he's on one leg, Hernandez is nothing to capitalize on the opportunity. Cerrone wants a big fight next. Who could it be? I, I'm fine with Cerrone and McGregor. I really am. Well, I think that has some to, really good ingredients to it. Well, they have to resolve first. You have to resolve the Nevada suspension and work. Well, that would be nice if they could do that. Freaking Nevada. Dragging their feet there. I don't know what's going uh, on. I know. That's uh, what kills me about it. Like, I don't like the situation, but stop making it worse by... I mean, Ally Kenton wants McGregor. I don't like that idea. Um, I mean... I like I like McGregor and Cowboy. I think that's a good fight. I, I like that. I like the idea of that fight, too, because I want Connor out of the title picture. Um... And it's a, it, 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 it'd be a good fight for the fans, too. The fans would be totally on board with that fight. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what happens there. Uh, all right. As like, for the I rest- want that fight, but I don't want... But, like, you know, whenever, like, one of these events happen, they'll go, like, yeah, let's do that fight. And then, you know, it either happens or, or like, it kind of just falls by the wayside and they move on to something else. I don't know. We'll see. Again, like that's that's the fight I would like to see, but if that can't happen, um, God, Cerrone and Gagey makes me so happy on paper. I'd be fine with that, but Gagey might want a big. Oh no, we've I mean we've got Gagey and Barboza to deal with later, yeah. so. I expect Gagey to win that fight. I'm not sure, man. I'm really not sure, but I, we'll get to it. I I do want to talk about that. Yeah. As for the rest of this card, uh, Joanne Calderwood defeated. Arian Lipsky via unanimous decision. Two thirty twenty six is I'm not sure which round was ten eight and a thirty twenty seven. Uh, really disappointed in Lipsky's performance uh, throughout this fight. Just uh, again, really let down. Uh, and you know, credit to Calderwood for kind of rising to the occasion in a lot of respects. So 
not the worst fight in the world. Um, Calderwood called out Jessica I. Apparently, Jessica I is getting the next title shot because they decided to make women's flyweight an actual division. So there's that to look forward to. Um, yeah, yeah, not bad. Alonzo Menafield defeated Vinicius Mejia via TKO in the first round. At least it was short. Um, Mejia with like three of the worst spinning back kicks I've ever seen. <laughs> and on the last one, Menafield just slipped to the side and popped him in the head. Uh, Menafield made this much more difficult on himself than he needed to be. He started headhunting and the body of Mejia was fairly wide open. But yeah, you know, crappy light heavyweights. At least it was quick. Uh, Corey Sandhagen defeated Mario Batista via armbar in the first round. Uh, pay attention to Sandhagen, guys. Uh, he's good. Uh, there's still a lot of development there. I don't know how good he's going to wind up being, but he's darn good. Uh, good on the feet, good with his hands, good with your know, body to head work. Uh, on the mat, he's good too. He has good top position. He has good rides. And in this instance, he got into, he just, uh, I've heard it referred to as like jujitsu speed chess, where not every submission attempt is technically perfect, but you chain them together and move between them so quickly that if your opponent isn't prepared for each of them, you're going to get them with something eventually. And in this instance, he got Batista with the arm bar. Uh, again, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not sure if I'm on the Corey Sandhagen bandwagon yet, but I'm jogging alongside looking, you know, think, taking a look for spots. Uh, those were those uh, those last four fights all took place on ESPN. Then the first set of prelims on ESPN Plus. Dennis Bermudez defeated T. Edwards via unanimous decision, 30-26 across the board, and then retired. Uh, Dennis Bermudez had been in the UFC since like 2000. 11 jeez, yeah because yeah he, he was in the finals of that season of the ultimate fighter with diego brando and got helicopter armbarred in the finals uh just never a world beater never even really a contender necessarily but a really solid all-around guy to just kind of be in the trenches and have fill out your roster so uh solid enough win for him to go out in the state he now lives in so is he actually from New York? I, I know he's ethnically Puerto Rican, but I can't remember if he's was born I believe there. He's, I believe he's from New York. So many fights out of where is he born? I can't actually find that information. All right. Oh, he's American. Yeah. Okay. So he's, at least one of his parents is uh, Puerto Rican then. But yeah, he's from he's from New York. So in his hometown. Oh no, there it is. Born in New York. Yeah. So get, you get to go out in very nearly your home city, uh, certainly your home state like that. You know, get, you know, you don't get a lot of feel-good moments like that, and he got one, so good for him. Uh, T. Edwards is a bit of a one-round wonder, I think. Uh, anything at past the first round, he starts sucking wind. Uh, Jeff Neal defeated Bilal Muhammad via unanimous decision, 230-27s, 129-28. This went about as expected. Uh, these two had a fun fight. Neil's straight punches, in and out work, uh, but Muhammad made a bit of a comeback as he started going to the body and pressing the action. He clipped Neil a couple of times. Uh, 
again, this was there was a lot of good stuff in this particular fight. And kicking everything off, uh, Chance Rencounter defeated Kyle Stewart via rear naked choke in the first round. Uh, Rencounter is just one of those wrestle all the time guys, and he really needs to expand his skill set if he wants to be something. But there's a degree of success that that style and mentality will take you to in even the UFC. All right, and that was that. So, Jeff, any uh, thoughts on any of those other fights? Any burning desires? Wayne Calderwood came back and looked good. Yeah? Yeah. She's, she's, uh, now that she's back at flyweight, uh, she's someone we have to keep a serious eye on now. She's picked up two solid wins um, in the last year. Um, so, I mean, just... All things considered, she could be a contender sooner rather than later. I mean, flyweight is embry- women's flyweight is essentially embryonic at this point still. Right. Um, but she's, I would say she's a natural flyweight, you know? Yeah. So Strawweight was clearly not her optimal weight class. Right. So now she, finally, now she finally has a weight class where she can comfortably compete and likely fight for a title, so... Good for her. You know I like JoJo. So I do. I was happy to see her. She's, you know, back on the upside now. Upside. Yeah, I don't know. What might they do with her next? Bring up women's flyweight here. Because apparently, and they did, I think they did announce they want to do I versus fight. Shevchenko. You could fight Nico Montano. You could do Montano. Um... You shot down my last one, but you could do JoJo and Joanna. I don't really like that idea. What else is there? Does JoJo does does Joanna even stay at flyweight? I don't know. I think uh, I don't. I mean, that's where she's ranked right now. I mean, if she wants to stay at flyweight, I mean, uh, okay. I don't know if I like that for Joanna's next fight after losing to Shipchenko. Um. Let's see. Definitely not Modafferi. Yeah, you could do Alexis Davis, maybe. I'd be fine with with a Davis or a Carmouche. Davis or Carmouche would be would make a lot of sense. How are Davis and Carmouche even ranked that high? What is? Uh, this been winning. A combination of just general history and. See, I'm trying to look at Davis's record. Uh, she's coming off the loss to Chukagian, but she had won twice before that. I mean, one of those fights sucked out loud, mind you, but. Well, one and one. I mean, it just seems so arbitrary to rank Davis so high, you know? Most of the women's flyweight rankings at this point are somewhat arbitrary. You don't have a lot of history in the division yet. I mean, I feel like you, Joanne should be ranked higher because she actually has two flyweight wins. And oh, she'll be higher again when these update okay. on like Monday or whatever. You don't. I mean, I mean it. I mean it's the UFC rankings, so we can't hang our hats on that. Okay. But there, at, she should be ranked higher, if, if nothing else. If, if, well, here's what we do. We want JoJo to get a big fight next, whatever it is. Maybe maybe it's a Chukagian. God, that would be so... That has potential to be so awful. But well, it might also be good. Well, 
I, I, I'm not a fan of Chukagi. I think I, I think whatever she gets next, she's due for like a top ranked opponent. Yeah, she. Yes. I, I would like to see her fight someone in the, you know, kind of the three to you know, the three to seven range. Just someone in that space generally. Which Jessica. Now looking at Jessica, I if she's getting the next title fight. I know. I don't know if that had been like signed yet, but I know they had. I had heard that flow. That's what they're based on. What Dana White like? I feel like they're gonna. That's what they're gonna do. And she's that's, only, she's only three and zero at flyweight since moving down to fly. Eh. I mean, it is as you said. It's an embryonic division. Um, give JoJo a bigger fight next. That's what I want. I like JoJo. All right. Um, Again, that was Fight Night 143. Thanks to everyone who followed along live. Thanks to those of you who commented after the fact. I uh, I deeply appreciate it. I mean, this wasn't as bad as before as some of the other fight, some of the other events where I have like, oh, hey, I have five minutes between fights. Let me go, you know, spend a lot of time in the comments section. But I do try to get in there when I can. So uh, a lot of thanks to you guys for the assistance you've been providing for that and just for your support. Uh, I felt rusty. I felt rusty doing this one. So hopefully the next one's better. Uh, all right. On to news items. Pettis ah. versus Thompson. Hang on. I wanted to start with the new title belts and see if you had any thoughts on those. I mean, I guess I prefer the Zufa, the Zufa era designs that they had most of the Zufa run. Um, I don't think these look terrible, to be honest with you. I didn't like the still shots that they had shown, but then when I saw it on Cejudo, it, it, I don't know, it worked a little bit better, like seeing it kind of in essentially practice as I opposed think to the, theory. I think the Infinity Gauntlet comparisons are amusing. I mean... You know, that's not the... The, the one that I saw... Uh, was not an Infinity Gauntlet comparison. It was um, that belt in the center of like the white Power Ranger outfit from like the second gen Power Rangers, and then yeah. just Dana's face photoshopped onto. I mean, I don't, I don't hate the new. I'm, I don't hate the new belts, but uh, Cejudo didn't seem overly fond of the new designs last night. I it took me a minute to a little bit to figure out what. I don't find aesthetically pleasing about them. And there's a few like really like minor technical things. Like there's some depth of space or negative space uses that I think could be different, but I discovered, I think I'm just not a fan of, um, I don't know how to describe this. There's probably a very easy design term that I'm just unaware of, but I don't really care for when you um, like the watch, like the wristwatch design, you know, where you have the band that, comes and then flares into the big centerpiece and then goes uh, okay. goes narrow again. Here's what I think. Here's what I don't like. I don't like the open, like, um, to me, it should just be one big plate, you know? Okay. Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the, some of the open space in there. I just, I, I'm not a big fan of the exposed leather necessarily around the yeah. edges. So real minor things. To me, it's the exposed spaces of the plate that I don't like. Yeah, I can see that. Um, Oh, here's here's here. I guess if there's another thing I don't like, let me see. Let me get a closer look. Um, kind of the. 
you have that kind of white inner rim and then you go back to the gold. Yeah. Eh. I don't hate it, honestly. No, I don't hate it. And I think it'll probably wind up growing on me a bit, but I think, um, yeah, I guess what I, yeah, I, I guess I just don't love that. It's got kind of like those, I can okay now I get the kind of the wristwatch thing and but whatever and, and again that's largely personal like I I, I much prefer never the... been my favorite like title belts no maybe. they really haven't they've never quite had, they've never had a really great design to them yet uh, uh, maybe in the future all right um announced fights uh. We got the main event for Fight Night 148. It is Anthony Showtime Pettis, the former lightweight champion and former interim featherweight title contender. No, wait, he missed weight for that. Featherweight competitor. Moving up to welterweight to fight the former two-time welterweight title contender, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Hey. Uh, all right. Um, I mean, I- I'm torn on this one. Okay. Because on the one hand, it feels like a giant pile of meh. Okay. Like, this is, these are just two guys we don't really know what to do with. <laughs> well, and, isn't Thompson still basically a top five welterweight? Yes. But he's also lost twice to the current champion. One of those was a terribly received fight, and a pretty terrible fight generally. And Thompson is also also lost to Darren Till. Well... Thompson needs uh, to bounce back, and this could be a good way for him to have an impressive performance over a longtime veteran. Yeah, as for the fight itself, I'm I'm also torn here because this could be fun. Like you have two guys with a very flashy sense of offense in a lot of respects, and they when could they, when they utilize when they utilize it. Yes, that you could also get a lot of staring. Um, I think it's upset because you declared you 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 anointed Thompson as the next champion, and he never and he never got it done. That's true. I mean, I expect Thompson to win this fight. There's a he has a significant size advantage over Pettis. I, I mean, Pettis is not the guy he was nine years ago. No, when he was such an impressive. Uh, prospect. God, he was so dynamic. In his heyday, yeah. Anthony Pettis was one of the most dynamic fighters yeah, he, you will ever like, see. You know, once he finally got the title, I thought he was just going to have, I thought he was going to have it for a long time, honestly. Then, it, I mean, after, and then after he beat, Mel- he, he submitted Melendez, of yep. all people, which like never happened at that point. I really thought, okay, now it's, now he's got, the, he's really going to hold this belt onto this belt for a while. I figured, but and he just whatever. ran into one of the better technicians in MMA history in Dos Anjos and <laughs> never bounced back. Well, I mean, I wasn't really sold on Pettis until he beat Melendez. And then right after he beat Melendez, he lost the belt. So that's it's kind of a tough thing. But I mean, it's, you know. Again, much as I'm kind of unenthused about that fight right now, it's yeah. a perfectly serviceable main event for this for that type of card. Yeah, I'm fine with it. You know, I'm fine making that if Pettis wants to move up. Uh, I, I think I, I think Pettis honest, is floundering I for. Pettis, a... I agree. I don't think Pettis could. 
I don't realistically, I don't think Pettis has much time left in his career. Um, wow. I think he's just trying to. It, I mean, if he can reinvent himself, great. But I think he, he's just trying to find a way to lengthen his career because he just hasn't been looking good lately. Outside, of the, outside of the odd winner here or there, uh, like the like what? What was his last one? The Kiesa fight? Yeah. Um, and then then he just got kind of steamrolled by Tony. I mean, I mean, steamrolled's the wrong word, but he got broken by Tony's pace and violence. Even, even Oliveira, when he fought Oliveira and won that fight, he was having some problems. Oliveira was giving him some problems, you know? Oh, he struck uh, the, the whole second round. He yeah. was in a really bad spot that whole round. I mean, he had a great first round. And he crumpled round. Oliveira with body kicks. It looked like Oliveira was turning that fight around in the third yeah. round. So, and then um, he fell into the guillotine, but... Yeah, I mean... I mean and right after that, he got... I can see Pettis hanging around. Holloway. Walterweight. I just, he's not relevant. Pettis isn't relevant anymore, and I don't. I'm think- I'm really struggling to see him be all that re- uh, you know, all that even successful at welterweight. He's he's just not. I mean, size isn't everything, but I mean, you you I mean, again, you and I remember when he was talking about I can go down to featherweight because I don't cut to fly to lightweight. Well, I mean, I think. Pettis has all th- all things considered, he's had a he's had a successful career. Very he's had a great career. He's got a bunch of memorable moments. He's got a title win. He's got a title defense. Yeah, got a I Wheaties mean, some, box. Some some guys don't even get ever get that. So I mean, again, never- I mean, I, I again, I'm quasi facetious about it, but he was literally on the on the Wheaties box for a while. So. It's weird that it's weird that we're talking. He, damn, thirty-one years old. Time flies, doesn't it? It's weird. It's weird to be talking about a thirty-one-year-old man this way, but it's just that he started really young, and he yep. kind of flamed out. He kind of flamed out very quickly. He, um, he had a he had a brilliant rise, but yeah, he's. He's, he's struggling I, now. To have, I mean, to have those things, it means a lot. It does. I mean, because some guys never, some guys never even get well, there. The majority of people who f- compete pr- yeah. professionally in MMA will never accomplish half of what Pettis has accomplished. Right. So I think he has. My point is, even if Pettis doesn't hang around in the UFC much longer, he has a lot he can hang his hat on. Yeah. Um, and he has nothing to be ashamed of. Not a darn thing. Um, well. Maybe the weight cut in the Holloway fight, but I mean, but still, to be to be a, I mean, to to have held the to have that highlight reel win over Benson Henderson, win that title, come to the UFC, eventually um, win the lightweight title, defend it against Gilbert Melendez, a guy who you know never gets finished or submitted at the time, and um, yeah, still I doesn't mean, all that often. Yeah, it's good. I mean, he's had a he's he's had a good career. It's just I'm struggling. I guess my problem is I'm struggling to see him ever becoming a relevant contender again. I'm not saying it's impossible. I just think he's been. I think those injuries took a toll on him. I agree. He injured because he was getting injured a lot. A back. lot. 
Well, speaking of meteoric rises, uh, the UFC also announced the main event for Fight Night 147 when they are back in London. We're apparently getting Jorge Masvidal versus Darren Till. Now, assuming the fight actually takes place, I do like that fight. So this is also an ESPN Plus card. Eh. Yes. Uh, I I like the fight. For a while. Man, Masvidal took 2018 off. Wow. Yeah. Weird. I heard... I heard Masvidal described as like the Miami version of a Diaz brother. And I think that's accurate. And. I mean, Till's hype train got derailed hard by Woodley. Yeah, there's going to be some pretty serious. I'm very curious to see how he rebounds, especially against a guy like Masvidal, who's really good everywhere. Can he still even make weight? That's that's the other big question about Till, because um, that is a serious weight cut for him to get to 170. And, and he's like, a big guy. I don't dislike Till. I think he's re- what is it, what is his accent called? Is it called Scouse? Yeah, he's from Liverpool and he has a Scouse accent. He's got that cool Scouse accent, and he in in he speaks think, Portuguese in it. The Scouseguese accent is like it's one of my favorite things. I think, I think a lot of people were just kind of seduced and manipulated by his Scouse accent. And he said all the right things, you know? And but he fought all the right fights. I mean, this this was a guy the, who... But, it, but he, what did he really do? He didn't really... To me, he didn't really singularly stand out enough to, to, to really earn that shot. He was not ready for that situation. No, no. I, I was not the biggest fan of him getting the title shot when he did because uh-huh. I thought there were other contenders who had a better body of work to right. be drawn from. But at the same at the same time, you know, he had beaten everyone that was put in front of him, and he had said the right things. But he like like you you listen to him, and it and and, and, and like he sounds like this almost like sage, you know. And I think people were full. He fooled people, and his hype train got massively derailed. So does it get back on track here? We'll see. Because uh, Masvidal is a tough opponent for him. Masvidal's tough for pretty much anybody. I mean, Masvidal, he's good about slipping. He's got solid punches. He's good about finding the target with he's them. He's not unbeatable, but he is very tough. It's and He's not unbeatable, but I don't think too many people have ever looked good against him either. He arguably should have beaten Paul Daly and, uh, at welterweight. Uh, yeah, he should have. Uh, I thought he beat uh, Iaquinta, their fight. I thought that was horribly scored. There you go. He's a tough guy to look good against. I mean, knocked out Cerrone. Knocked oh, out, he put up uh, that. That was a shocking beating that he put yeah. on Cerrone because that he beat him the entire first round and then finished him in the second. That Even was Maya, He he lost by split decision. So. A, there's a very real argument that he won that fight. That was a yeah. that was a and had he won that fight, he'd have been the one that fought Woodley. So I'm curious to see how Till bounces back here. Yeah. Uh, we don't know a whole lot else about that. We have a few fights announced for that card, but uh, I want to see a full bout order for that, and they're still making fights for it. It's their return to London. Yeah, that's VO2. versus John Phillips, Claudio Silva versus Danny Roberts, Gokhan Saki versus uh, Separbek. Separbek Safarov. Uh, Dominic Ray, uh, 
Dominic Reyes. Reyes that's Demir. a good fight. That's a very Reyes good and is a good fight. Re- I mean, Reyes is actually like the. He is the, the last prospect standing at light heavyweight. Yeah, after after Roberson just got embarrassed last oh, night. Roberson's a middleweight. Um, then why did you fight? Why do you fight Teixeira? To get paid. He he took it on short notice. He went, up, he went up to get the payday, I guess. Well, he went up to get the payday, and in fairness, he nearly won. Like, okay, and but Sid no, thought, he, he's a he's a middleweight, not a light heavyweight. Well, Uzdemir Reyes is a decent fight, at least yeah, for that. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a really good fight. I like that fight. Um, okay, I've mentioned it a few times, and I have to woman, actually discuss. And I, it and I think the woman by who got murdered by Shevchenko has come back from the dead to fight Molly McCann. Look, my my experiments in necromancy aside, <laughs> uh, that's not a good fight. Like, neither of them are any good. Um, UFC on ESPN two got one of the fights that I said I want to see because I want to see someone die in the cage. Uh, Edson Barboza and Justin Gagey, and uh, oh, the the violence these two will bring. <laughs> Sorry, Edson Barboza, and I'm sorry to Edson Barboza's family. Oh, God. These two are going to kill each other. Uh, Gagey's... Or Gagey's just going to kill Barboza. I mean, they're going to leg... Gagey <laughs> said he wants to finish Barboza with leg kicks. Now, bear in mind, I kind of hate the notion that just because someone is a good leg kicker, they have good leg kick defense, because Barboza doesn't. I mean, neither does uh, Aldo, for that matter. Okay. So just again, the point being that just because you have good leg kicks does not inure you to being on the receiving end of leg kicks. Uh, these two are going to destroy each other physically, and I'm torn simply because Gagey's pressure, while relentless, is not fast-paced necessarily. Uh-huh. And I think you need that combination of not only... I'm going to make you fight off the back foot the entire fight. But you, I do think you need an element of you're going to do it. We're going to be doing it, you know, fast, 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 fast. I don't know he likes to brawl. He's. I thought Vic was one of his more intelligent performances, at yeah. least. I'd agree um, with that. And he doesn't always fight smart. Um, that could, that could play, that could play well for, Barboza, we'll see. The, either guy can win this fight. I when this got announced, I think I saw this. Um, you know, so Justin Gagey, you know, you're a, you're a Division One level wrestler, and you're going to fight Edson Barboza. So what's our game plan? Forward pressure and leg kicks. Darn right it is. Uh, but no, I I can't wait for that fight. Like I I don't think it'll be the main event, or they haven't announced the main event because that will be um that's the Philly card, so March thirtieth. Uh, Barboza, I'd be fine with Barboza versus Gagey as the main event. As would I. Like, give me five rounds of those two maniacs trying to kill each other, please. Um, Just hook that into my veins. Figuejado versus Formiga will be in Nashville. Uh, yeah, that had been previously announced. Um, oh, we finally have the bout order and full card for UFC uh, 234. Uh yeah, two thirty four the Melbourne the Melbourne card. Oh, um, this is not a very good card. Uh, I'm 
I like the main event. Uh, Whitaker and Gastelum, solid, solid fight. And I'm a big oh, fan so of Robert Whitaker. I'm I'm going to Anderson Silva's open workout on Tuesday. Oh, nice. Yeah, <laughs> I I like um. Oddly, like the UFC sent me the invite and I RSVP'd and I'm like, well, I went to the press conference at his gym last time. You can't not let me go. <laughs> no, you, you, you played I their live, words against him. I appreciate I live, it. I, li- I live I live like two miles away. You have to li- basically you have to let me go to this. Um, but granted, the, the, the thing is, it, it's UFC handling this one. It was Anderson Silva's PR people handling the last one. So I hope you have. I hope that's fun. Yeah, Anderson, Anderson, and and I seem to be on good terms now. So I think I've gotten him to warm up to me. So I feel like the. I mean, there was a time where he, where basically he looked at me like I was, like, <laughs> do you remember? Um, what was the third Dirty Harry movie? Magnum Force, I think. No, I believe so. no, there's not the second. Third one. Uh, remember that thing where he goes in, the, like, like uh, he tells those punks, like you're like, you're like, you're like the dog shit on, at the end of my shoe. Can like dry it out. He, be, I, I feel like Anderson bas- basically used to look at me like that. So I feel like we're not quite there. We're, we've kind of moved past that at this point. Yeah, uh, the the co-main for that event is uh, Silver and Adesanya, which, oh, I'm torn because on a purely like spectacle side of things, I do, I like that. I think there's some, there's some potential. I also think Adesanya is going to beat him. Oh, Sudden Impact was the one I was thinking. That's it, Sudden Impact. Yeah, Magna, yeah, it's Dirty Harry, Magnum Force, uh, Sudden Impact, and then uh, the Deadpool. Right. But uh, the point being like all of 234, I mean, Robert Whitaker... I think he's the second best middleweight ever in the UFC. I he has a he has this great he has a great resume, and I think he will wind up surpassing Anderson Silva at some point. Maybe not in you know number of title defenses or whatnot, but just in terms of his. You don't think Gastelum wins the belt? It's tough, man. It's really tough because Gastelum's a tough opponent. Gastelum does a few things that can trouble Whitaker. I lean towards towards Whitaker because right. at this point I just don't pick against him. Yeah, but hey, that's a good fight. The co-main event's good, but I mean the rest of that card, man. Hani Ya, like why is Hani Yaya fighting a a nobody? Yeah, like Yaya Ronnie Yaya is a very underappreciated bantamweight. Well, not a a guy who has two UFC wins, but still. I mean, again, like Yaya should be fighting contenders. I think at this point, maybe not a contender, but like a well, ranked, a ranked opponent. opponent, a ranked opponent. Um, because Yaya's yeah, ranked. This, yeah, this is a two fight. Uh, give me Yaya and Sandhagen, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, after that, then you have like Devonte Smith and Dong Hyun Ma, who I don't know about unless that's. Yeah, it's oh, this is of... Dong. Yun, this is the maestro Dong Hyun Kim. Okay. I wanted to make sure I was kind of slim pickings here. No, this is a really weak card outside of the main event. This is a shockingly weak pay-per-view. If anything happens to those top two fights, we're in trouble. I mean, they have enough redundancy to where, especially with local flavor to where if one of them falls out, they can do something. Maybe Adesanya is going to be fighting for an interim title next month. 
or Anderson Silva. Yeah, <laughs> it could happen. I mean, if Whitaker falls out, we could just do Adesanya versus Gastelum for the interim belt. Anderson is coming off a win. But that's, again, that's a really, that card is held together with duct tape and chewing gum. <coughs> um, all right. Were there any other fight announcements we wanted uh, to really uh, have a look at? Because there are a few other, again, news items I want to touch on. This, uh, bur- there aren't any other burning fight announcements okay. I have right now. Uh, then let's move on to the, uh, I don't think I have any reservations saying the best uh, women's MMA fighter ever, Amanda Nunes. Yeah. Uh, says she's not going to fight at featherweight again. She doesn't like being unable to fit into her skinny jeans. I mean, is anyone surprised here? Not, I mean, there's not really a division. Fe- featherweight is barely even in a division in the first place. It was the Cyborg Memorial Trophy, basically. Um, yeah, they, they haven't really invested a whole lot into it beyond that. And I think this is kind of an. This is also kind of an example of you know champion, fight. The, the first champion vacated the division simply because she wouldn't fight Cyborg. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jermaine. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what again. I don't know quite what they do. This is kind of why super fights and champ champ fights are stupid. I was okay with it here because there was no bantamweight contender and featherweight's not really a division on the women's side of things yet. Okay. And this was a well, very Cyborg real possibility. Fights, so what? Do, yeah, but Cyborg fights for the UFC. What do you do with her now? I don't know. It's a tough. It's a tough call. You either you either try to rebuild that division and just kind of accept that she's going to be your champion again for a bit, even after the loss, or you. You might wind up cutting her. Kind of a pretty sad state. I mean, I saw this get floated. Uh, Cyborg actually mentioned that she's not opposed to going up to lightweight and moving to the PFL to fight Kayla Harrison. Which, I mean, with how much Cyborg cuts... uh, Lightweight's not... Lightweight might be her optimal weight class, quite frankly. Yeah. I mean, I think she'd beat Uh Kayla, and I love Kayla, but that's just a bridge too far at this point for her, I think. I don't know. I don't know what you do. It It is. It's a rough spot. But I mean, there was actually a, I think Amanda posted a video of her trying to fit into those jeans. And apparently there's a bit of a cultural thing, too, around South American women just wearing irrationally tight jeans. I was not aware of this, but apparently it's a thing. And Nunes is Brazilian. Was so. that with that? Was that with that picture, that picture circulating Twitter with? Nunez was about. I don't so- know. I don't know the one you saw. I saw. I, I saw like the video clip that she posted of like jumping and trying to get these jeans up over her hips. Um. I don't. I. I it's hard for me to even really care. Yeah. I'm. I don't know what they're doing. I mean, there's. There's not a lot, you know, like there's like not a division at featherweight, and then there's not a, really a good bantamweight contender for her yet either. So, I think she floated. She might have like just on Twitter kind of spitballed the idea of going down to flyweight and fighting Shevchenko again. Uh, uh, I don't think that's shut up in the future. <laughs> Amanda, you got your two belts. I, I, I mean, you know, 
she doesn't have a massive cut to bantamweight, but that's a legit cut for her. I don't think flyweight's reasonable for her. I don't think so either. And quite frankly, even if she could make it, I think her performance would be severely compromised. And I'm her, also a- just fight out the bantamweight division. Give up your give up the cyborg memorial title. Do whatever. Uh, and finally, since we we're talking briefly about featherweights, the best featherweight ever as of this recording, basically. Max Holloway. Uh, no, Max isn't there yet. I think he will be. I want to be very clear about this. This time next year, I think Max Holloway probably is. He's already but, there. But Jose Aldo has dis- uh, has announced that he wants to kind of have three fights this year and then retire at the end of 2019. I mean... I feel like we were already at this point with Jose already a short time ago. Yeah. I, I mean, we all kind of speculated, but I don't think he'd laid out a specific plan for it. I mean, I don't, I, yeah, I don't buy it. First of all, Daniel Cormier, Cormier laid out a specific plan too. Yeah. He, he actually stays to it. Still got a few months to see. So. Well, I think Aldo's in a different position from Cormier, too. I th- I tend to think Aldo's probably on the level here. Title before he calls it quits? Hmm? Is Aldo looking to fight for the title before he calls it quits? I don't think so. Hmm. so what does he want to do? Does he, what does he want exactly? I, 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 I forgot. I, I looked this up, but I forgot the specifics of it. I know he said he wanted to fight three times this year. Okay. Uh, what specifically he's looking for? I don't think he's. I don't think he's looking for a return to the title. I don't think that's feasible so long as Holloway's the champion. I'm not looking for a rematch with McGregor. I don't think that's feasible either. I mean, I don't think he'd turn it down, but I think he's just looking to have a relative, a somewhat active year, and then you know have a few wins and leave he it behind. Wants, all right, here's what he he wants to end his career in Brazil. Fortaleza, so he's got his next fight lined up in Fortaleza. Then he wants to do 237 in Curitiba and then another fight in Brazil. So he wants to have, he wants to fight in Brazil three more times. Yeah. So how do you match up the guy who's probably going to end his career in three fights if he holds to that? I don't know. I mean, he's he's signed to who's he signed to fight next cuz he has it signed. I can't remember. Oh, Moicano. Uh, it's Moicano, yeah. which is a great fight, by the way. I mean, that's a really good fight. Moicano, even though he's lost to Max Holloway twice, he's basically still in the title picture. Um, I kind of like Moicano's chances, to be quite honest. Yeah. yeah. But I think you wind up doing, you know, for want of a better phrase, like the fights that you just couldn't, but that just didn't get made. Good against Jeremy Stevens. He had a good he, performance against Stevens. He did. Uh, one of the only guys to finish Stevens. Uh, I think if you're going to match him up, if you assume that he's telling that that this is the plan and he tends to stick to it, I think you, I like the Moicano fight. It gives a young, not up and comer, a young guy already near the top of the division, a chance against a legitimate legend and one of the best to ever do it. I think one of those fights has to be Cub Swanson. I would love one of those fights to be Cub Swanson. I. Again, I think Swanson asks some interesting questions of Aldo generally. I would love to see that be one of those fights. And Swanson, I think, is overdue for a big fight anyway. So, And then I think you 
call you, you get Uriah Faber out of retirement and we do the rematch. No. <laughs> that, no. No. Uh, I would pay so much money for that. No. Um <laughs> I would I might be the only one, but I absolutely would. Um I would take your dog away from you. Yeah, leave my dog alone. <laughs> Actually I have two. I have one I will give you. <laughs> You can have the thirteen-year-old. I would win punish pick. you. I would punish you if that fight happened. You would not. You would rue the day. Um, and then uh, so let me think. So I like again. You have the Moicano fight. I like Swanson as one of them. Frankly, I think you might do Swanson as the last one. And then, so what one would be in the middle? If these, if these, in fact, are his last three fights, I want one of them to be against. Max uh, against Cub Swanson. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I don't think you you have Moicano. But let's see if yeah, let's see if he actually if it'll be three times and if he'll actually hold to that. True, it it does bear, but he could get hurt and just decide to do it early. I don't know. It's entirely possible. Um, but if this is the you know the way it actually is about to end for him again, Aldo's one of the best ever. And or could be fighting out a contract and could, could be, be looking to get out of a contract, go somewhere else like Michita. That's possible. I don't think we'll see him in Bellator, but crazier things have happened. I mean, I mean, Aldo's, I hate to say Aldo's old because, you know, could he's not. Could see him in 1FC. You, I suppose you could. Apparently, apparently they have some money going around. They don't actually have money. They're writing IOUs. They can't pay off. I mean, apparently, Brand, the apparent like Brandon Vera talked about getting put up in nice hotels and stuff. Oh, I like they're they're operating on a non-sustainable financial model. More is more the point there. But they're still here. Yeah, will they be here in two years? I mean. I think they will. I'm not so I don't sure. Know, I mean, I don't there's know, a, they're they're burning money. money. I don't know what kind of money they're making, but I mean, they've managed to last this long. I mean, we're almost at the end of the decade, and I mean, they're almost ten years ten years old. I mean, strike. I mean, look, Strike Force's model after they after they bought out the um, Elite XC assets and expanded, they did not have a sustainable model, right? Um, and eventually they got, they got bought out by the UFC. So, yeah, I just don't think, I don't know. 1FC has managed to hang in there, so I don't know what's going on over there and how they're staying afloat, but they're, they're staying afloat. Jeez, Aldo's only 32. Dude's been okay. fighting since 2004. So, golly. I mean, I mean, it's possible some of these ages could be, you know, trumped up. They could be. I mean, he. I, I tend to think that's about accurate. For like, him. I got to be honest. I don't think Kira Knightley's age that is on most listings is her real age. All right. I think she's probably. I don't think Margot Robbie is like how old is Margot Robbie? No earthly idea. Margot Robbie is is reportedly twenty eight. I don't believe she's really twenty eight, personally. 
I mean, they do wonders with plastic surgery these days. So. Uh, but Aldo, he was very young when he, I, I, he was like, what, 22-ish when he was in the WEC when he first started? Uh, let's see. If he's, if he's 32, he was born in 86, so he's a, year, he's a year younger than I am. He debuted in the WEC in 2008. 21, 22. Yeah. And that man has a lot of time on him too. Like he had a lot of fights. Oh, that, and he had a long run. He had a long run at the top. So. He had a real long run at the top. Again, he's one of the best ever. And it's just too bad that. I mean, it comes to an end for everyone. It's too bad that Holloway's already surpassed him. Not yet. He will. I, I think Holloway will, but I don't think he has yet. In my eyes, he has. He has two title defenses. And my eyes are the only eyes that matter. Uh-huh. All right, Schrodinger. Uh, okay, I think that's all I had listed here. Uh, any other major news items that I skipped over that you want to touch on? Let's see. Uh, I think we've kind of tangentially gone over the main things. Um coming out of the event basically all right uh you ready to do plugs then and call it a day right well as i mentioned earlier i'm supposed to be going to the anderson silver open workout for the adesanya fight on tuesday provided everything goes on on as planned so it'll be similar to when i did the press conference last month um also my uh preview of Mortal Kombat 11, I went to the event is out. Check out that. I also got to take some photos of the WWE superstars that were there. So Ronda, um, Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston, um, Zelina Vega. I got photos of all of them. You can check those out in Wrestling Zone. Go to yeah, game. Ronda's going to be Sonya, right? Uh, yes, she's playing. So-, so those rumors were true. Um, so. If you, yeah. So if your Sonya character loses twice in a row, can you port her over to Super Smash Brothers? Nope. I don't, I don't even get that joke. Like, like that's like porting her to, de- like, what, Smash? Are you saying Smash Brothers is WWE? That would be the equivalent I'm drawing. I yes. think that's a huge insult. On, I, I think that's a huge insult to Smash Brothers, quite frankly. Really? You're not a big fan of Smash Brothers? Uh-huh. I am a big or fan. Or you're not a fan of WWE. <laughs> I'm saying I'm saying you're insulting Smash Brothers by making that comparison. Eh, it's a it's a very it's an easily accessible cartoony and I don't mean that as a negative cartoony party game. It does exactly and it does not and, deserve to be besmirched. And that's by, all WWE is. You it's it, it still does not deserve to be besmirched in that way. With that it con- is uh, again. I like Smash Brothers. I've I've got I got a lot of hours in that franchise over the years. Yeah. I love it to death. It is the professional wrestling of party slash fighting games. Oh, boo! If you have a better example, balls. I'm happy, I'm open. Balls to, to balls to your pessimism. I'm, it's not pessimistic. <laughs> All right. So so yeah, she's in the game. Uh, so check out my preview of that in games. Check out my photos of the event in wrestling. And then uh, go to Movies TV to check out my review of uh, Glass, the number one movie of the weekend. 
I did not care for Glass, but I thought it was significantly better than Split. Yeah, you were in the you were in the minority on Split. I seem yeah, to recall. I was the minority. That's why it surprises me that Split got the good reviews and this one got awful reviews. Because this one at least has a good good first half, and then it just unravels in the second half in the third act. So uh, it, it confuses. Like I don't I don't get like why people hate this movie but love Split. It makes no sense to me. You think that you think you think your opinion of one should be roughly concurrent with your opinion of the other? No, I because I feel like if you're gonna like one, I can see this one being more liked. Okay. Not not that it should be. I thought Split was an awful, horrible movie. Awful. Um, and I don't get what I, like. I think what it is is it's partly nostalgia. And people kind of, I think people like the idea more of a sequel to Unbreakable than than actually wanting a sequel to Unbreakable. Okay, that's fair. But that's, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet, so I have no. Um, and I, I I saw a lot of your kind of uh, postings on uh, Facebook on the Punisher season two. I think you made fairly. Good observations, but did you finish the season yet? I did. I have finished. Did you like the fight scene with Keith Jardine? I did. I saw him like, oh, hey, Keith Jardine, man. Good for him. I thought that was one of the better fight scenes of that season. Now, I showed that to one of my brothers who's a bit of a gym rat and just said, you now have the appropriate reaction to people doing curls in the squat rack. Um, you come in like Frank Castle and just... Here's the problem, though. It, it did kind of run out of steam toward the end. And I think the best action scene was that shootout in ep- after the robbery in episode eight. Don't you agree? Um, that's a good one. I don't think that was my favorite. I just feel like it, it kind of ended on a kind of like, like a whimper, kind of. Kind of had an uneventful ending. In a lot of, yeah, they, I don't want to get too deep into it because I don't want us to be here for, you know, an hour and a half talking about it. These people have suffered enough listening to us so far. Oh, what? I, I think they never properly reconciled the two disparate plot points that they wanted to really touch on, which was Frank and Billy going at it again and uh, the Schultzes and the John Pilgrim stuff. I don't I, think those I, two they points ever. Taken, they should have just taken one. Maybe chop off three to five episodes and just make that your main central plot. I would either that or just do it in two halves. Like, give me six episodes of one of those arcs and then six episodes of the other, and I would have been okay. All right. But the way they they just never quite blended. No, they never convalesced. I agree. Um, That's a fair. And Madani, Madani sucks. Look, Madani was the worst thing about season one. They not only brought her back, but they made a worse character in that in the in Billy's therapist. The therapist was horrible. I mean, well, yay, let's have a Harley Quinn knockoff, but minus the charisma and interesting backstory and you know, interesting plot points and uh, oh god, it, there was so mu- there's so much in that in this season that I do genuinely enjoy. I, I loved the fight scene in the. I love the opening one. I love the fight scene in the bathroom and in the bar in episode one. I, I genuinely liked that. I 
I like the shootout scene in the sheriff's station that they have in episode two or three. Yeah, the assault uh, precinct. Yeah, the, their play on assault on precinct thirteen. I really enjoyed that. I loved both of the confrontations between Pilgrim and uh, Castle. I love their shootout in the hotel, and I love their fist fight at the end. I really enjoyed both of those. There's a lot good in this show. There's also a lot that drags it down. And again, if I have to choose between season one and season two, I will choose season one of the. I'm I much preferred that. I also feel like the writers struggle with how they want to write this character. I don't think it's as much Castle as it is the stuff around him that they kind of struggle with. I think they have a really good grip on Frank. And I think Bernthal has a really great grip on the character as well. Mm-hmm. But I don't think like, I don't think they really have a keen grasp on how everything relates to the world and how, you know, how it all relates to each other, because there's, there's a lot of stuff that just drag that kind of drags over this season. And there's also, like, great you know, stuff shame too. On you, shame on you journalists and clickbait writers saying like, Oh, Pilgrim's, an alt-right villain or something. He was not alt-right, okay? Come not on. even close. He was like, a, he was he's a he's a reformed and now devoutly religious hitman. Right. Doesn't he he specifically has no political agenda. Right. Like he like, don't get me wrong, he his works bosses, for people. Yes. His bosses do. And fine, talk about them if you want. Him as a care him, he I don't think he cares. Like he's actually he's a ref, he's a reformed uh neo-Nazi. Right, like he's he's expressly anti alt right, and when he meets them again, he he soundly rejects them and proceeds to violently murder them. Yeah, so I'm like, no, I, I think there's a look. The phrase alt right, and I don't want to go on too long about this. There was a time when it actually meant what it is supposed to mean, which is ethno nationalism, the majority of which, especially in the United States, is white supremacy. That's right. the alt right. Right. Then it got thrown around and applied to everyone who is right of center to the point where now it doesn't actually mean anything. Right. So, I mean, eh, I mean, like, and frankly, I wanted more pilgrim in this show. Even if like, it's I, the stereotypical Hollywood view of alt right, like he did, he does not fit the profile at all. No. So, so that, not at all. That That's a deeply and I profoundly like misguided I, I, honestly, view of the character. Honestly, I just feel like it was a lame attempt for click for clickbait, uh, clickbait writers to get attention and build fa- and for the writers to build false controversy for the show. Yeah, I, I, I would absolutely agree with that. But yeah. I didn't right. dislike Pilgrim either. But yeah. But no, I want more uh, of him, quite frankly. Unfortunately, that's this is going to be it for The Punisher because it's now it's going to get canceled. Look, I found my silver lining for the cancellation of the punish of the Punisher, which is going to break my heart when it ha- it's an- when it's announced in two weeks. Right, we're never going to have to see Madani again, or here. I will never have to see Madani or Doctor Krista ever again, and I will be one hundred percent okay with that. I want to know what the issue with Madani is for me. It's the actress is British, and she her accent just sounds horrible. Her American accent. It's one of the least convincing accents I ever. It 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 falters so much. You can tell. You can tell. It's that I can't, I can't stand the way they write the character. Mostly, like I, well, I'm not. Prepared, I I'm happy to. I agree with you about her accent, by the way. Mm-hmm. But I don't. Just come out and admit you're still attracted to Billy Russo, and you wanted to stop him the whole time he was laid up in the hospital. 
Look, I, I, I didn't like the way she was written in season one. I don't like the way she's written in season two. And they doubled down on it with Billy's therapist it's as a character. The and thing about season one. I'm like, why are we have like we meet her mother like right off the bat? Like, why are we why are we wasting all this time with this character? It, it was so weird to me. Yeah, I agree. All right. But Thank you, Robert, I will check out your review of that now that I've seen the show. So. Yes. Um, we will be back next week. We will have a preview of not you, not that event, because that's not an event. Um, we will be previewing next week UFC Fight Night 144, uh, which is the UFC. At, so it's on ESPN Plus two because the UFC on ESPN Plus just they're gonna they're, they're bringing too many people to the party. Like they're they're just bad friends. You don't need this many pluses. Uh, but we'll be previewing that card. It's it's main evented by uh, Austin Sow and Marais. It has Aldo versus Moicano. It's a really solid card. Uh, yeah, Charles Oliveira is fighting on that card against David Tamer. There's some good stuff on that card. So next week we'll be previewing that and, of course, go over all the major news items. I am so excited about Austin Sow I'm getting there. I'm really getting there. I enjoyed their first fight for as weird as it was at times. I mean, well, I, I've been on the Marais bandwagon for a while, though, so I'm excited anytime he fights. Well, I, I feel bad, even as bad as I feel for Marais. But yeah, some good fights on that card. All right, as for me, let me see. You can find me this week. I will be 